Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, the crappy quiz, and a slight tangent. Get you going that little if you bit. Say to anger it. is a great ah, motivator. Yeah. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Hello, good morning and welcome. Colin has already spit his coffee out. I'm trying to arrange the papers so you don't have to see what's on the front of them this morning, as I'm sure there's enough of that going on wherever it is that you are. Good morning to you. Welcome to OTBM. Wow, have we got a stack show for you today. Uh, we're kicking off with Cohen Bowie and Shane Hannon. Good morning to you, lads. Good morning. How are nice things? Nice intro. Love Kathleen this. McNamee is going to join us very shortly. Uh. Because we have business to talk about. We do. But just before coming on air, we will get to Ireland last night. There were, um, what, what a, I really enjoyed the game last night, I must say, and we'll get into it in great detail. Like, even, even the first half, there was a lot of people bagging on it. The TV commentary was not fully sold on this, uh, this Irish performance in the first half. There's a lot of commentary online in a similar, similar vein. Yeah, I'd agree I wouldn't with that. be so done it, I must say. Uh, decent prep, bit of rustiness, got to know a few players. Um, oh, I don't know, the first half was poor. Mm, poor but, but with, 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 with a caveat after the, after the caveat. first three minutes the first three minutes were pretty strong Izzy Atkinson on the left wing was one of the, probably one of the two bright sparks in the first half yeah. alongside Leanne Kiernan she had a beautiful whipped cross yeah. seconds into the game really mm. and Kiernan couldn't control it because it was, there was so much fizz in it and then after it was about three minutes um, Claire O'Riordan who went on to score had a chance inside the box mm. kind of mm. deft Chappy, over the fizz, bar after fizz. that and then it was like that's a very strong start very positive because uh, Ireland haven't been great in 2023, really. So you'd be a good man for, for a fizz yourself, would you? Where are you going with that? So you'd like to get a bit of a whip, whip on the oh, ball? Oh, I love a whip on the ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love one now. you right footed, Column, yeah? I am, yeah. Well, he sees himself as a bit of a David Beckham. Extremely right footed. Who here. said that? You. I'm I never sure. said that. No, no, no. no um, right footed. Never on said that. You know, on the cut in. And uh, oh, I love a love a bit of a fizz on the right. Anyway, right we, were, we, were, oh, we yeah, are going to get into the game. Great question. I'm happy to get into it. You're not really the the GA core complaint was coming tomorrow and you wouldn't be seen dead at it. No, that's totally unfair and untrue and just and a betray of confidence that he brought this up at all. <laughs> no, like, but I know, said it. I'm not so betraying confidence. Like, I, I know. It's I no, it's very, it's it's terrible. It's very terrible that you would say that to me. I would go tomorrow if I could, but I'm going down to Cork for a reason. When is the last time? If you go tomorrow, reason. if you could, when is the last time you were at a Cork GA game? There's any. It was actually against Dublin and Crow Park. Oh, it's one of the bigger games you were. You made you made an exception, <laughs> like an All Ireland semi final. No, and then what was there as a game? Cork Waterford, the hurling actually. I couldn't go for a reason. Now, will you remember. go to that because there's a bit of home home rivalry going on? No, no, it was nothing to do with family ties. Family I, I couldn't go. Although the reason I couldn't go was probably some familial reasons. But mm. uh, oh yeah, no, there's always a reason. Oh, sure. And I go of good because I haven't been. I actually haven't been to the redevelopment park equivalent. So oh, I would you love see, to that's go. That's not, that's not just the point. The point well, well, which he bought? It's not going to get out of debt. It's not going to get out of debt with whoa. the likes of you. Hey, what's this? Sort of Johnny Am I coming? What's this? Yeah. Well, we anyway, it led from there to Hannon sort of declaring himself as the most patriotic of all the patriotic people in terms of the county. There's no doubt of the three people sitting here, and you can let us know in the comments if you agree. But sure, that's I am the one who cares the most about my county. I was that neither here nor there. You just mentioned it. You talk about it. Yeah. That's lot. different. That's is, different. That, is that not part of loving your county no, talking like about it and, and telling yeah. people how great it is? No. It's, 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 it is. It's, 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 it's what a politician would do. 
No, well, what it's a good joke. So you, you lads show your no, 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 you know, in fairness, so I thought it was very good. It was good, 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 good. So you lads show your patriotism by talking as little as possible but about where not, you're it's from. It's not no. like I'm very proud of where I'm from. I would, you know, I I want to talk about I talk about Westmeath a lot on the show. I want to talk about them an awful lot more. I'm sort yeah. of keep myself in the bridle a little bit. Don't don't then. Let it all. Let it all. Listeners are the listeners. They don't want to hear about Monaghan. They don't want to hear about Westmeath. But they do. They want to hear about. I would not. Fulham doesn't want to talk about Cork. I would not have any other county to be from than Cork Aaron, but everybody, having, having everybody, seen all, having not, seen what everyone has to everybody offer in, uh, everybody in Ireland years, everybody in the other 31 counties what everyone has to offer I'm delighted I'm from Cork everybody in the other 31 counties feels that way yeah. people from Cork just have to tell you that all the time no I, I don't think oh, I do Munster, Munster I, let the, the, what is it? I let the accent Irish speak by birth yeah, Munster by the grace of God I just let the accent speak for itself but you don't know what it's like to live in Mana or to be from Mana you don't know what it's like it's terrible no it's brilliant but like you wouldn't know that so of course you're going to say Cork I don't know what it's like to live in Westmeath I'm sure it's brilliant you were only in Cork for the first time recently last summer yeah anyway if I could could equate it to um, I was talking to Dave McIntyre and the Dadcast now available by the way on your podcast feed near you uh, during the week and we both said we got a a rosette last Sunday that said best dad ever and I was like, how did you get one of them if I also got one of them it's the same sort of thing your county's great my county's great every county's amazing you're going to be you're never going to find somebody that comes from I mean even, let's say, a Longford or something like that. <laughs> That's a joke. That is a joke. But you're never going to find somebody who comes from a county that says, well, I'm, I'm really not proud to be from there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, never, I never hear much about Carlo. The, <laughs> Jesus, that's the, uh, watch, watch the What's that book? Uh, Tony Ten. Yeah. You know, the postman who... Um, Declan Inch wrote that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he's from Carlo. And then you and I watched a two Johnnies sketch that had to do with Carlo Town yesterday. Very good, yeah. And there are the two mentions of Carlo. Yeah. So I think uh, anyone from Carlo, I don't hear much well, about it. Well, there's a few comments in there. Fergus Kyo saying, Cullum not liking GEA doesn't mean he's not a proud Cork man. I wouldn't have suggested I never that for say, a second. Well, and also, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just I like GEA. It's a given. This, is, um, this is terrible um, now. P- I will go if PWGC I says, <laughs> has, anyone ever, has anyone ever gone to... Monaghan or Westmeath and their holidays. But I'll I think have they, have. Know. they I'll have. have. You yes, know. they definitely have. I'll have you know at Lone is a tourist stop at the Hidden Heartlands. Yeah. Great they company. Don't, they don't call opinions. it the Hidden Heartlands for no reason. One of the Beatles got married in Monaghan. <laughs> I mean, Castle Leslie. <laughs> Castle Leslie. Oh, great spot. Yeah. How did that go? Didn't go too well, but like, yeah. I thought the point. Look what happened to him afterwards. Seriously now. What else have we got here now? Just before that, I'm in Carlo now, Cullum, says Michael. A hidden gem. Is it? They don't speak about it as don't want people to move here. Hidden gem is often used in the same terms as a gateway. Which is like something better over there. Sorry, I got sunstroke in Carlo. Oh, great! Well, this this conversation has John Claffy says Sean Sean's bar side of Athlone is lovely. The far side, John, is what I would call it there. And um, I would I wouldn't want to be from any other county, says Bobby Dwyer, said by three men living in Dublin. If I could not live in well, Dublin, Bobby, I unfortunately, would that's where that's where we have to be. Like you don't have to say unfortunately. Now, come on. No, it is. So you're adopted home, no matter what way you look. I know. At. I would never ever say that. I would not. No, I would well, you might not say, say it. Yeah, I mean, it might be true. Li- exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll never say. It. Come on, I'm not we've say loads. That. We've loads to talk about. As a uh, fountain, Sam Forlan. Uh, good morning to you, Double F. Uh, it's been in touch again this morning. As a Corkman, I can understand why Cullen wouldn't be bothered uh, going tomorrow. It's only football. Oh. Sure, if you're actually from Cork, you couldn't give the true 
definition of a Cork person is that they couldn't give a hoot about the football. Mm. Most, most exist, people, sure. but there are parts of Cork that they'd like it. All right, I'd be fond of the football. Do you know, uh, which remember what recently we were talking about, would you rather watch football or hurling? Yeah. And if it was a great game between both sports, I'd probably lean towards football, but i watch more hurling. That would be my synopsis of it. I'd, I'd say a lot of Cork people would say the same. But you haven't been to the revamped Parky Creeve yet. What's that, what does that matter? Well, it means that you're you're a bit you of a I mean? Johnny come lately and all this. Yeah, yeah. Fair weather. No, no. Last word to... Um, no, no. Fair no, no, weather. No, no. Fair weather. He's right. Is not true. He's not even that. Not like. even no, 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 no. Well, isn't that better? No weather. Being a fair weather. <laughs> and also, I watch them from afar all the time. All right, watch. So them look and listen. We'll go down. We'll go to Daniel Parky Casey says Shane would give John Milan. We'll have a great time. Money. I'm glad to hear that, Daniel. Thank you very much. Take that as a compliment. Oh four seven tattooed. Uh, Kathleen, welcome to the party. Welcome, guys. Once again, not really sure what I walked into, but it was no, very entertaining no, all the same. We've, we've been here sitting through it, and neither are we. The man here is digressing for five minutes, but Koi uh, Gig has been is in the books. Yeah, just finished recording there with Karen. Actually, a really good episode. The two of us were a little bit giddy after last night, so lots of good analysis on the team and all the players, so that should be hitting your feeds in the next hour or what, so, I would be- say. Before we get a little bit of reaction from the uh, players and management last night, what's the main uh, takeaway from Koi Gig this morning? We're going to win the World Cup? I think the main takeaway is that last night was absolutely no reflection on how we're going to play or do in the World Cup. Uh, neither. I think you could probably look at it as two different teams, the one that played in the first half and the one that played in the second half. And neither are teams that are going to play in their completion at the World Cup. So last night wasn't about looking for tactics or teams or formations or anything. Last night was very much about individuals and what we could do. Uh, I think the main takeaway was that there was a couple of players that really showed how well they were. First half, I think the players were suffering a little bit from nerves. First time I've properly seen and heard nerves, even when talking to the players afterwards from them um, since and, they went and into And a bit camp. of rustiness, like, and a few players back from injury. Like, yeah. I, there was the, the first half, right? I felt watching, we were kind of touching it at the top, but I felt watching the, uh, I was obviously dual uh, listening and... Uh, watching it on the TV uh, and following it online. Uh, but it felt like people were very down on them and I just think there's enough caveats to say that you weren't really expecting them to blow Zambia out of the water. In the yeah, time. I think like what I what confused me about a lot of people's reaction last night that I saw online and stuff was that thing of they were looking at it as a whole team performance and less so how much this meant to individual players. So say you look at the likes of... Leanne Kiernan, like that's she's only played forty five minutes of footballs in the last like nine months. Of course, there's going to be rustiness there, um, and also any of those eleven have never actually played in that setup together. So like it was understandable to a point that there was the connections not really happening. Rusha Littlejohn hasn't played in a couple of months either because she stopped playing for her club early so that she could. Um, stay away from injury because she's had such a tough time with that. Saoirse Noonan finished up a good nearly six to eight weeks now, I think, because she plays in the championship. So there was a lot of players in that squad that aren't playing football currently. And I think Vera made a really good point uh, when we were talking to her afterwards. And she said, I was like, at halftime, what did you say to the players? Like, why did the other team come out in the second half? And look like a cohesive unit and I know she made five changes but even the players who stayed on Clara Reardon and Abby Larkin looked a lot more impressive than they did in the first half and she was like the team in the first half were afraid to fail she's like there's no you can't really look at it any other way that was what was wrong and 
you can totally understand why those players in that moment are like, God, this is my, I'm, I'm starting. This is my opportunity to get myself on the plane. I haven't played a lot of minutes. Right. It, it all depends on this match. When, when it doesn't, like realistically, Vera is going to have looked at enough of them in training and other times as well. Whereas for the players that came on in the second half, they were able to watch that and they were able to listen to Vera at halftime and be like, okay, look, there, there's some places up for grabs here. I just need to go out there and play football and I might be able to nab a spot. And I think you really saw that difference between the two sides in the first and the second half. Not to put a, a negative sl- slant on anything really, Kathleen. Mm. Uh, and obviously it was a good to get the win last night, good to get players with minutes in, in legs. But uh, I was chatting to someone last night who was also watching the match and we both came to the same conclusion. Are we too slow at the back? Like as in, I know Barbara Bande is a, is a player that of a certain calibre that you mightn't face every single game, but there are certain examples during the match where you're like, Jesus, this like it's so easy to get through that Irish defence at times. I don't know. Is it? I'm not going to say it's an age thing. I'm not going to say it's a tiredness thing. I don't know what it is, but is that something we should be concerned about? I think if you look at the back line that we had last night, it's very different to what we would normally play. Like obviously, you have that partnership of Nifahi and Louise Quinn that's probably pretty nailed on. But on either side of that, there was a lot of changes and Nifahi's only just coming back from injury and you could see, I mean, she was happy enough to clatter into a couple of Zambian players at different points, but you could kind of see it in her. And also I thought Louise as well looked like as a player who's just coming back after championship ending a couple of weeks ago. I think they both looked like they still needed a bit of game time, a bit of game fitness. We've never been known as a team that's like particularly fast at the back. Like what we're good at is playing that solid back four or five that doesn't really move all that far from their positions. Uh, I think Aoife Mannion is the sort of player that offers us that bit of pace and that bit of security at the back that the other players don't. Yeah. Um, and actually, Karen and I just had a really good debate on Koi Gig about Aoife Mannion and whether she should be included or not over, say, a player like Claire Reardon, who came in last night and had quite a good showing for herself. Will it come down to that? Is that, that, is that a either or? Uh, it depends on what point of view you come from. I think a lot of it depends on how fit Aoife Mannion is. And the general consensus seems to be that we are not getting the full picture of that. So how much do you value her coming into that squad with only a couple of caps versus maybe someone like Diane Caldwell, who has been there from day dosh and mm. has a good... I'm not saying... I'm I'm sure Aoife Mannion has a good relationship with most of the players. They all speak very highly with her. But in terms of, you know, you've gone through the tr- trenches with someone... Does that matter as well in a group in terms of not upsetting a balance and stuff? So I won't totally spoil what we came to a conclusion on. I do, go on. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) You have to go get it in your podcast feeds or wherever it is. But it's an interesting one to think about and something that Vera has to measure up. I think as well, the other thing is whenever we play our traditional team, you have players like Katie and Denise who do provide a lot of cover for our back line um, and they don't have to have that level of speed that you would probably hope to have as a team but I mean there's no getting around it we have an aging back line a lot of those players possibly may not play past this World Cup we don't know maybe some of them will go into the Nations League and play for another year or so or try to get to a Euros but you're probably looking at players who are playing in one big tournament and then that might be it not that I want that to happen because I you probably had your uh, Catherine, you probably have your preferred final squad in your head chosen, right? You might have. Hmm. Did last night's game change any 
choices for you? Amber Barrett. Um, Amber Barrett. Amber Barrett. <laughs> Look, I I got enough slack off Nathan last night, and also again off everyone on Twitter. And I I said it to Amber before I interviewed her. I was like Amber because she's a she's a lovely lovely person to talk to. Really really genuine. And I was like Amber, I'm sorry. I know I said multiple times that you weren't making the plane, but also you proved me wrong tonight. And she just laughed and she was like Kathleen, you weren't the only one to say it. And she was like, I don't blame you either. So. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, yeah, definitely loads of changes. But that's the thing, like, since we've started talking about this squad, I feel like the first 11 to 15 are probably pretty much dead certs, depending on fitness. And then I'd say if you take the three goalkeepers out of it, that leaves another five. That is so in and out because there's probably like 10, 15 players vying for those places. And it's really, really tough. I thought... I was quite down on, say, Abby Larkin whenever she, I saw her play in Marbella. I thought she was really uncertain on the ball and needed a, a little bit of uh, maturity that she didn't really show. I thought she was good last night. I thought she, especially in the second half, yeah. you could visibly see a change in how she was playing. And obviously she got the penalty as well, which really was a turning point, I think, for the team. Um and I think I didn't see the post-match interviews, but I think she was talking to ORT or something. Yeah, it's very hard. Yeah, and she said that, you know, that was a really important confidence boost for her. Mm. I thought Clara Reardon uh, did a really impressive job and she would very much be one of those fringe players who, again, if Aoife Mannion isn't fit or if you're looking to bring someone in, she's also an option to come in. Uh, and who else was I... Kira Grant as well would be one of those players that's very much on the outskirts, but also I love whenever you talk to her. She has the same sort of Amber Barrett, Donegal mentality where she <laughs> she was, every time I interviewed her over the last while, she's like, look, I've been a stalwart in the squad for the last two years. I know I'm not a starting player, but I am the sort of player who comes on and provides a bit of stability, a bit of... Uh, ease for the players around me because they know what to expect and I was asking her um, what how did she see Amber running off her shoulder for the header down because I was like Amber was a little bit behind you when you actually did knock it down to her and she was like the team were actually given off to me just before that for playing that bit higher up the pitch but she was like I know from when I play with my club that I can get into those attacking positions for set pieces and I'm quite good in them. So she was like, I just kind of ignored what the bench was yelling at me and went for it. And I just, what she was like, I just saw Amber out of the corner of my eye. She called it the Donegal connection and uh, yeah, placed the ball down perfectly for Amber to score. So definitely a lot of players in there who are on the outskirts and, God, there's part of me that's like, I just wish Vera was announced in the 23 today because if I feel nervous about it, I can't imagine what these players are going through. Um, she's the um, main discussion point. Let's hear from her after uh, here she is on the penalty, I think, that she scored in Tala last night. Are you practicing penalties? Are you going to be the one stepping up during the World Cup? Presuming that tonight booked your ticket on the plane. So I'm pretty sure that's what everyone is saying at the moment. Well, no, because the last penalty I took, I missed. Uh, in the league for Turbina so I think that when the penalty went in and straight away in my head I was like I really want to take it and I think because Katie wasn't playing it would probably have been Megan Connolly next and me and Megan just had a wee look to each other and you know Megan gave me the nod and I, I you know I've already said it but I have to really say thanks to Megan for that because like 
just for me to get that that goal again, get a little bit of confidence into my play again was something I really, really needed. And yeah, of course, any time you score, of course the pressure comes that you have to when you take the penalty. But as soon as I put the ball down, I really back myself. But as you said, you know, going then and scoring from a set piece is always a good thing. And, and it wasn't Louise Quinn, you know, it was my best friend Claire Reardon. So that was that was another special moment for me as well. Yeah, people who said she wasn't going to be on the plane riling her up uh, to the point where yeah. you know I think. Uh, so the squad's going to be named next week. After that, you're going to have uh, the France game on July the 6th as a warm-up game. Like, there's still an opportunity for people within the squad to play them into the, themselves into the team. Mm-hmm. It felt last night, looking at her, the quality, the composure, the technical ability for that second goal was off the charts. Like It feels like we've moved from a conversation of, is she going to be on the plane? Is she going to be in the team? Mm. Yeah, we... See, this is the thing, because when you look at... Karen was saying on Koi Gig there that she actually put a package together on uh, Amber Bark. She assumed she'd be starting and then she wasn't. And if you look at the impact she's had, there there was last night coming on, getting the two goals. There was obviously Hampton Bark and what she did against Scotland. There was another game from 2018, which is a qualifier or something. I can't quite remember what Karen said, but um, she, again, she came on and she scored a really, really important goal. And there is a conversation to be had there like, is Amber Barrett the ultimate impact player? And especially because she hasn't played a lot of football for the last six to eight months. Is she the sort of player that we have in her back pocket and you chuck her on and she gets those really important goals? And I know I know a player... It's unfair, isn't it? Because like, ultimately at some point or another, the super sub thing, like it just becomes a thing unless it becomes something else. Well, no, but I that... know that's like a very vague, broad thing to say, but it's true, right? Like if she's gone in showed real composure to bury that penalty. There was absolutely no doubt about it. And like that crowded area, like the composure is 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 hard thing. Off her left in, foot, which in, she never scores with either. And in, in that, to use a pepism, in that moment where there's a crowded area, everything is on the line. You've spoken about like the nerves, the pressure on performance to make the plane, uh, to pull that out of the bag there. And then we spoke the last time we were chatting about this, Kathleen, about having somebody in terms of the Scotland game and I know she's fed up talking about it but in terms of that ability to say put me in I'm going to get you a goal and like regardless of what's been going on with her club she's now proven again I am that person at some point or another Vera Powell must surely she said did Vera Powell say after the game last night she wasn't they weren't leaving the stadium until they discussed everything the uh, the coaching staff Yeah, they surely they must be batting it around the table do we, do we just stick her in? Oh look like I... I've said this since last night, like I'm simply saying that she probably the biggest moments that she has had have been those coming off the bench. And that is something that she has excelled at. And I I, before you started, I was about to say that, like, I know that for a player that it's not a title that you want. You don't want to be known as the super sub or the one who comes on. I mean, some players might not care, but I think the majority are like we want to be on the starting team. I would absolutely give her a chance starting. I think that if we set up the way we did against the US, which may be like a little bit optimistic for Vera, because I fear she may go back to her tried and trusted complete defence, I think Amber would fit really well into that system. And also, we've talked about it for so long. We haven't had that person that can poach goals and... In the last couple of months, she's probably the main person who has proven that she can do that for us. So whether it's her up there by herself or her partnering with Caruso with, say, like Payne, O'Sullivan, Katie McCabe, all providing that support, 
maybe even like Marissa Shiva off the wings if she makes it, which you would kind of think she's on the plane if all those players are coming into the squad on the day the squad is being announced. Mm. Um, I, I do think she could do a job. I, and if there still is a month as well to get more fitness and they'll have that game against Colombia to make sure that they do have complete match fitness. But um, and so I, I think for me, what's been most impressive about Amber since that night in Scotland in particular is her mentality around everything. You know, you said it there about whenever she was on the bench, she said, Vera, put me in, I'll get you a goal. And that's exactly what she did in Scotland. Even yesterday, she's had a really, really difficult six to eight months. And she talked about it to us last week and saying the club didn't really support her. And I mean, Turbine Potsdam is a club with an incredible history in women's football that has just sadly not been able to keep up with all the money that has come into the league. But she she hasn't played. She's been sitting on the bench. She's been injured and she's not been injured and she's been sitting on the bench. And then to come off and do that last night, I mean, full credit to her. I don't think you can say enough about how in that high pressure situation she pulled it out of the bag and if she wants I said it to her last night I was like she always has a different celebration for mm-hmm. nearly every goal and I was like I hope we see many many of those different celebrations I was like I want you to spend that time over Perfecting on the plane them. thinking about at least 10 celebrations I that you're going to do over the World you're, Cup You're talking about her mentality the Donegal mentality I spoke to someone recently who used to race against Amber Barrett at a senior, like athletics level when she was like growing up in schools and that sort of thing Amber Barrett used to race for Finn Valley Athletics Club in Donegal and at the proper like Ulster meets or Ireland meets she'd race in her bare feet like the rest of them would be wearing spikes and like proper spikes this is a proper what, level Was it cross country? or was No it? I think it was, on, it, was, it was on track so it would have been probably Jesus middle distance right. short distance that's her uh, character, though, isn't it? Well, that doesn't weirdest. surprise me yeah. at all. I know it's mad, isn't it? As soon as I heard it, I was like, yeah, "Oh yeah, yeah. that, that, that kind of makes sense." It's Amber Barrett, and like I, I, you totally see the attraction of her coming in off the bench. But at the same time, she must be doing. She must feel as if she's doing enough now to. Well, that's the audition. That's it like, now. Yeah. So, like, I, uh, you have to bring her shorty, don't you? You have to. Her. Oh yeah, uh, no, I, there's yeah, no question. Yeah. About I don't that, think there's yeah. any question yeah. about whether she's on the plane last night. And it's funny she was saying that last night was actually the first time that she didn't feel pressure over the last couple of weeks. She was like, "I know this is probably going to last about ten minutes, but I'm going to enjoy the ten yeah. minutes while I have them and just take a breath and be like, you, okay." You tweeted your delight about Carol Reardon. Yeah, just a player that has been very much on the outskirts of the Irish squad. Well, like she'll come in, but she'll never really get a whole host of minutes. And to there was a, I thought she was one of the players that maybe struggled a little bit in the first half uh, with nerves. Yeah. And but she also did have a couple of really important blocks and also one or two headers that kind of went straight into the hands of the goalkeeper. But at least you know it it was a shot on target. We will take that in terms of our players getting uh, into the squad that haven't really played as much. And then getting that goal the second half, I talked to Vera about it and she pulled Claire out actually as one of the players that she pulled aside at half time. And she just said to her, like, you're in your head too much. She was like, we know what you can do. You provide in defence, but also you can attack, like you can get a goal. And uh, when I chatted to Claire about it, she was saying, obviously it was, the set piece and she gave a lot of credit to Megan Connolly and to be fair it was a very nice place ball but uh, she was like I just had Vera's words running around in my head to you know this is this is it this is your moment and I played the full game really impressive I think she is one of the names that a lot of people wouldn't have probably considered as a name for the plane but has 
put a good case forward by how she played last night, especially depending on injuries in that back line and obviously then whatever Vera is saying. Uh, but I think for players like her just to to have the opportunity, like it's obviously what's important now in the short term is going to the World Cup, getting a performance, but also legacy is important too and the experience these players are getting in camp the experience that they're getting of being in this like intense like pre-tournament atmosphere is really important because we come out of the world cup and we're straight into quite a tough euros qualification so we want more and more players getting used to that pressure getting used to that atmosphere getting a taste for oh i performed quite well i might be on a plane to australia mm. okay i didn't make it to australia i want i'm i'm getting to the next tournament mm. and that's what we want and i think that's why it's important that we have such a big squad in it at the moment um just one question like Cathy, i know you were saying look last night you have to put it into perspective it's like a lot of players are being tried out different positions it's not like you're without the two star players outfield would you be in any way concerned of the football zambia plays versus our possession um, no, it was kind of what I expected, to be honest. I think a lot of people underestimated Zambia going into this game because it's quite difficult to watch a lot of their matches if you're based here. Um, I watched quite a lot of them in the Olympics, the last Olympics. And like Barbara Banda, who's their captain and obviously got the goal last night, incredibly talented yeah. player. Uh, she was the first ever person to score consecutive hat-tricks in that Olympics and uh, was a real shining light that came out and a name that a lot of people didn't expect I don't think I would be massively concerned I think it was a really really good test for us for when we do come up against Nigeria because if you think about it we were missing so many key players a lot of the the way we were set up is not how we were going to be set up at the World Cup so if we can get a result like last night where the result didn't really matter like obviously you want to win uh, but I think if we can do that and maybe cut out some of the mistakes. Like I thought the second goal was a poor from us. Mm. Harriet Scott just let um, her player get away from her. And once they were in, it was a pretty cool finish. But uh, sorry, also, shout out to Courtney Brosnan. That mm. like 30 seconds where yeah. she saved one in the middle, then she went over to like the right side of the goal, mm. saved again, and then was back over the other side of the goal to claim the ball. I was like, how did that not go in? That was a 3-2 as well. Yeah. yeah. Undisputably, the, I remember having a conversation with Emma Burnout and Tala um, about a year and a half ago about who should be the goalkeeper. It seems ludicrous. Uh, conversation. Yeah, Karen said the same on RT last night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a lovely sort of uh, moment last night. We were watching the game. The young fellow wanted to stay up as late as he possibly could um, to Actually, see it. I think yeah. he went to bed at 2-1 and then my four-year-old girl was like uh, so excited when she saw it was the girls on the TV and uh, it was lovely, I must say. But anyway. Yeah. I've said I was chatting to a lot of fans just before we went in and <laughs> it was kind of funny. I had to break it to several of them. I asked them who their favourite player was and by far Katie McCabe was the name that came up the most yeah. a couple of Denise O'Sullivan's interestingly a Tara O'Hanlon or two as well which I thought oh, was nice as right. a player who's on the outside but I uh, had to break it to a couple of like seven or eight year olds that they were, I was like who are you excited to see they were like Katie McCabe I was like you do know she's <laughs> yeah, not in the the stand there. <laughs> like, she'll, she'll be about somewhere though you'll definitely see her you'll definitely see her she was her. in the huddle last night giving her the big one afterwards yeah. as well yeah. so why wouldn't you um, but yeah no it was just it was really nice and actually credit to Zambia they had a really impressive yeah supporters group there and yeah yeah, the players went over to them and spent a good while there and there was actually a lot of respect from the Irish crowd as well towards the Zambian players they got uh, they did a lap of the pitch and had a standing ovation from everyone it was grand when we beat them it was fine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, check out Koi Gig if you want more conversation about that 
do it about 10 o'clock this morning once the, once the show's over but that is there waiting for your delectation anytime you want and uh, we do have a little bit more reaction to come uh, from the game last night and we will hear from um, Fear Power I think before we uh, leave the show this morning Kathleen though thanks a million uh, for the minute for that uh, come to you as well loads coming up between now and 10 for you this morning we have Ronan Nagara he is outside the studio door and he is about to uh, come in and we'll be chatting to him an extended conversation with Ronan with the season now finished any questions you have or comments please do fire those in we'll talk to Luke Lachlan the uh, Westmeath footballer after a very interesting season for them came agonisingly close to making the preliminary quarterfinals but uh, just came up short against Tyrone uh, last weekend Keith Higgins and Gary Sice will preview the game of the year that's Mayo against Galway in Salt Hill um, on Sunday and we'll get their thoughts on that. And then Alan Quinlan is going to talk to us about the start of the Under-20 uh, World Championship tomorrow and a few other bits and pieces as well besides. So loads to come on the show for you this morning. Do uh, stay with us and do keep those comments uh, flooding in. We're going to have Ronan in studio uh, after the ads. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. All right, it's gone uh, five past eight. You are watching OTBM. Ronan Agara is live in the studio. Morning, Ronan. Yeah, Adrian. How are you Morning, doing? Shane. Are you yeah, I'm this good. This is quite the pleasure. Normally we're chatting to you down the line from some far-flung area of France. Yeah, or I was, as I said to Colm outside, that um, there, there was a little bit of me admitting I could do it from my hotel room in Dublin this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd have got away yeah. with that. Nobody would have batted an eyelid. Exactly, and then, but then I said, no... I enjoy it. It's been a great year, a good team of people to work with here. And so come in, show face. And uh, my brother actually, bizarrely, well, maybe not bizarrely, uh, opened a, a dental shop or dental practice, isn't that the word, yeah. in, in Black Rock in Dublin. So he's a dentist. So You're a popular man around those So parts. you brought the trophy out last night just to parade <laughs> it around. I'll hit doggy, no, I'll no, hit Black Rock. No, there's no... It's as sport as we say it moved very quickly. So yeah. for me, we lost the top fourteen final last weekend in um, Sad de France. Fantastic because before the final, you obviously get the um, uh, the French national anthem, which is a, a very uh, for me uh, inspiring national anthem. Mm-hmm. I was a player always when you used to play France. It was it was as you got experience you could kind of chat with the boys and the team and kind of sometimes uh, we find ourselves humming along to it you mm-hmm. know you kind of no no hold on that's not <laughs> yeah, us pack that uh, in. but uh, it was brilliant in a full house I suppose because it's their masterpiece the top 14 final uh, but we unfortunately were stuck in lifts getting up the oh no way to the coaching box because it was know? amazing somebody clipped it I was watching uh, last Saturday night it was an amazing uh, event and we'll talk to you about that in more detail but the thing itself was incredible the, your family are unbelievably high achievers you sound surprised Ronan you sound surprised I'm not, I'm not a bit surprised <laughs> but, but uh, raised right well raised in Bishopstone and Cork you know and whatever semi-detached house in terms of that there's no I think uh, it would be, my mum always said you, you, you get out of life what you put into it and they're obviously a teacher and a professor of microbiology so education was was uh, important mm. uh, and my brothers respected that and I got a kind of a route through rugby because I uh, scraped into university you know would you, if you if you hadn't have done rugby, was there was it was that even a conversation? I did, well, I did no because I did a master's in business economics in UCC, right. so I would have been doing hopefully strategy and business or something like that. But 
Um, kind of what you're doing now, but in a yeah, different, uh, exactly. It's actually, very, like, very similar. Um, yeah. uh, and that's why uh, it, it interests me a lot. Uh, yeah, so there's, um, yeah, I'm obviously, I think my older brother is um, an addiction counsellor in John of Gods mm-hmm. in Dublin, so his work is uh, really, really interesting and he's passionate about it. And I just, I think he had come straight from a day yesterday of doing it and I saw him just outside the dental practice and I could see he was in kind of match mode mm, <laughs> and yeah. he was kind of psychoanalyzing me and looking me up and down before because <laughs> uh, I was chatting to another guy before he even presented his thoughts that I was his brother, you know. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long week this week in the fact that I kind of, um, you come off a, a defeat but then you realise it was... It was a great season, but then you also realise how into match mode you get mm-hmm. when you're doing your your passion. Mm. Uh, so we'll go on holidays next week and recharge and uh, come back. Has um, it has been a long week? Has it been? Is it hard to? Uh, are you a wallower after that? Uh, no, because it's it's a great reminder to how do you mean a Leinster feel, and that's multiplied by three. So I've tasted that this week. You know where. You're two minutes from uh, completing something that's very, very rare in modern sport, a double. Uh, but I think uh, just a little percentage point or two off, and that's what sport at the top mm. level is, fine margins. You know, it, For me, the last bit of trial or a bit of genius from Intimac, even though it was a poor decision defensively in our behalf, but a guy... Who's able to accelerate and uh, glide mm-hmm. with such guile after seventy-eight minutes of a of a long season of a long test match to to score the winning try? I didn't probably think he had that, mm-hmm. but uh, he might have had it if the stuff hadn't happened before that. He might not because he was probably trying to individually win the game on his own at that stage, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, it was because he missed a, a crucial, mm. oh, which was a massive breaking point for us. You know, every inch out of and it, and for us. We know how to put away closed games. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, there was probably a lot of disbelief in when you scan and look back at the video in their Toulouse players and their coaching staff and their group that they were nearly as surprised as anyone that they'd scored this try yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't have enough time to to come back. But it was at 2013, that that's where we lost the game. It went 2016, 2019. Uh, Twenty-two, twenty. We gave them three piggybacks, which killed there's pro- us. There's probably shades of the Leinster game at some points because you come from ten point was it ten points down at one stage. So like the team had clearly mentally strong enough to come back from from deficits. It was just that this occasion, the last couple of minutes were were slightly different. Yeah, it was exactly. But as I said, we were inaccurate as well at twenty thirteen. If you score any any kind of score, but probably the way we were playing, if we got a a driving mall try and convert that as 27-13, that just kills everyone, you know. But that's ifs and buts and my aunt and my uncle. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad a week later that you could, uh, you could reflect like that. And there was, even, there was a nice clip, I couldn't tell what was being said, but between yourself and Intimac afterwards, there was a bit of a... Yeah, of course, yeah, because it's... Fair play, like, I mean, is it... You have to be competitive and you have to drive standards, but you also have to be realistic in... I mean, it's a position I know very well, and uh, it's a fantastic piece of rugby. Even though I'm the opposing coach, I think mm-hmm. you 
it was a responsibility for me to to acknowledge that and you know also I think uh, one or two of my comments were more small or disappointing you know so I don't know the people of France listen but I'm sure they do but uh, you know I think there was I showed disrespect by saying that it was an average Toulouse team but this is a team that have won five European Cups and have 22 boucliers so for anyone that probably played for them or an ex-player those comments are disappointing and small on my behalf and I accept that no but so I think it's important I say that because uh you know I mean if you're a Josian or a Dusatoir or Yannick Nyanga or uh, Trevor Brennan or Fabian Pelouse mm. that's their club you know what uh I'm trying to do at La Rochelle is trying to enforce I suppose a willpower that we can match these guys mm. but at the same time you can't obviously diss them and diss their history because it's so powerful that's probably the thing, though. I suppose after a match like that, where you have such heavy emotions, you're, you're like a microphone is going to be stuck in your face, and, and like I suppose in that moment you you could say anything because you're you're probably not thinking clearly in the immediate aftermath of. I think you are thinking clearly. I think that's what you have to be able to do. You have to be able to think clearly, but you also have to um, maybe uh, differentiate a little bit more accurately because I thought the performance of Toulouse on the night was quite average that doesn't make them an average team mm. but if you mix your words you can sometimes uh, not portray what your inner feelings are mm. uh, but yes because you are in match mode straight after a game but you're bitterly disappointed but time heals a lot of things and a few days later you can you can see where you didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve but it makes makes you hungrier and more excited for for the season that arrives with a, with a special group of players but also um i suppose emphasizes the importance of um of getting getting away from it and recharging and coming back uh i mean a better coach and a better group say la plus grand chose du monde le bouclier is it an even bigger, an even bigger, an even bigger thing now? Like, is it? Do you become even more obsessed, more determined? Sometimes over obsession can be an evil. Mm. You know, just because you want something so much, maybe that can lead to more question marks than solutions. It's something we've been aware of in terms of just because you want it, um, but you have to have a very, very clear vision, I suppose, of of how you want to achieve it. Mm. So over want in any discipline is probably leads to our, uh, over excitement, um, over appraisal of, of the task. I mm. think there's, no, I think well, my immediate thoughts at the minute in terms of coming back next season would be that you, the feed is brilliant because it gives you great lessons. We have to take those lessons, but maybe I think the time for them is hopefully next April, May, June, as opposed to giving them a lecture on the first day back. Ah, yeah, yeah, give them a bit <laughs> of you know? But it's an incredible thing to be able to sit here and say defeat is brilliant. So to be able to separate, because I totally understand that, it doesn't make you any less desperate to win it, but to to have that as a takeaway to drive next season... To be able to, like the very few coaches I think that would say I know I think so Adrian it's you know, I mean you win a European Cup last year you win a European Cup uh, this year you lose in the top 14 final and we obviously didn't we got beaten by Toulouse in the barrage last season so there was mm. 
since we probably started the project, there's four titles available. You win two in Europe, you don't win France, you don't win France. But mm. um, you have to be so appreciative and grateful for for what's happening. But I think uh, anyone who comes into our environment understands that um, we 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 create a good environment and we we have fun, but we also are, are serious when we, when we need to work. Um, so these chasing titles is very important but I think you're going to need to chase performance mm -hmm. because usually one leads to the other a lot of people get mixed up about that and don't understand that but uh, if you know me, from my point of view it's it's been a phenomenal season with a great bunch of lads and that's I suppose you know I said to them we don't work you know I mean we play rugby we're involved in rugby and that's our passion this is what we what we do uh, but you mean the lessons you get from Saturday night from not finishing it are incredibly hard to accept because the flip side of it you would have created uh, a massive piece of history yeah and everybody craves it you crave it the players crave it the town craves it the owner craves it it's it's uh, like I think we chatted last week about your drive and passion infecting everybody else around the European Cup but this thing needing no explanation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you mean, when you come from 13-3 down to win, sorry, to lead 2013, mm. 17 unanswered points, um, but we didn't find another gear and that's where we need to get better at and I think we will be and we need to uh, understand that but it makes it very exciting at the same time it's not really a... A threatening environment. If you if you have a desperation environment, you won't get what you want. Do you have the the glass of wine with Ugo Mola after the match, or how does that operate after after a final? Well, it's no. different after a final. No, I didn't see him. Didn't see. I met Virgil Lacombe there. I coached him in wrestling. A good guy, um, but I didn't see. Uh, the only Toulouse player I saw was uh, I saw a few of them on the pitch actually. Mm. Shocked their hand because. Uh, I mean that you saw how much it meant to them too. It's rare you catch Toulouse in a kind of um, a, a state of, I suppose, euphoria like that. It's the first time I think Intermac cried, you know, which is a big statement mm. because he's been playing for France for what four or five years now, was he? Mm. Yeah, we'd spoken before the final even about the there was was it an eight game losing streak before the performance in January, which was a really big win for yourselves over over Toulouse. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly, but. I think that's something important too for, for for young coaches or anybody who is kind of, I think when you're the coach, you're responsible for when you take, you know I mean, it'd be the same as like saying that Dunica Ryan's record now, Roman Camignani or said Bubu's record is thing, but their record will start when they're the manager. Mm. They're involved in it, but they don't have don't all the respect uh, for them. Yeah. They toe the line with me and believe in what I'm trying to do but you can be sure that there are certain things that they do differently and that's what all due respect to them because everyone is different and they mm. see it differently and mm. uh, but yes since I whatever took over it was uh, we played them we had played them five times I think up to last weekend yeah and we had only won one game but we had two red cards what was yeah. pleasing the last weekend was discipline from car you know because no discipline is it's too loose a word you know yeah. we didn't have cards but we weren't disciplined right mm. we had a, mm. a back chat which you in a French top 14 final which 
brought Ramos into kicking yeah. range. Mm. Yeah. Those things are small margins. Yeah, but they're huge. Yeah. yeah. Huge. The, um, yeah. Would you be the the mole point? Like, would it be normal that you'd go in and have a glass of wine or a beer no. afterwards? No. 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 Not no, that. Not be. that type of culture. Um, I well, I presume there's a lot of relationships established between probably a few of the longer serving coaches in the top fourteen. Mm. Um, like there isn't really any um, because it's slog and you have so many games it's Saturday 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 like there's sometimes it's it's not always possible or whatever yeah, yeah you don't have you, we're not I, that I, I was really asking about the where beef. we have where we <laughs> I have know, I know, I know. a glass of red wine and some uh, I'm projecting my own wishes maybe. onto uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, at midnight but if you play at 9 o'clock which a lot of the big teams do no chance yeah you know it's well you could easily but um, it's late um, the, is the, the, do you chat to him afterwards is the beef still there or is it there was there's there's nothing there it's yeah. never I don't know the guy yeah so you don't like each other though I think that's uh, I mean I, well, again, he can speak for himself I, I have no feelings on that yeah. because uh, what I said in the lead up to the game which I stood by is uh, his opinion on us in Europe or us it was actually in the semi-final has of no relevance because we're not playing them. Like that's something. But I think it shows that we're probably um, a big rival to them now. Yeah. You know? On that, what, what's the what's the attitude towards La Rochelle as a club within France? Because I suppose we're slightly removed from from that aspect of it. Like, are how are they perceived? How are they viewed? Are, are they a team that people love to hate? Are they a team that people are welcoming this? Kind of no, but I suppose it's only there was probably. A lot of uh, maybe surprise disbelief that we we uh, won the a European Cup last year. Mm. Yeah, you know within France. Yeah, exactly. You know, is that we, remember we chatted about the big Rogers comment at the Examiner last week, and it was only afterwards that we were chatting about it. Is that like is there is that the feeling in France? Like there's so much respect for everything that you've done in Britain and in here, but maybe it's within France. Is that the kind of um, no, I don't think so. But sure, once we won this European Cup final, there's an acceptance that this is a serious team, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we would have taken it to a whole new level, and we would not need to, I suppose, uh, talk because the act of winning the double closes all discussions. Mm. What we have to do now is we have to, uh, you know I mean, make sure that we start the season strong and we're a force to be reckoned with. But I've no doubt we will be. Uh, how we're seen in France is, um, you mean I think, is it Toulouse of nine in the French forty-two? Mm. We have we have eight, so they're mm. a little bit ahead of us. But we don't have, you mean George Henri Colom, who I think could maybe make the squad in, if he gets a, gr- a break. Uh, Thomas Lavo in and Jules uh, Favre, and then we would have uh, Sandro, who's a prop for Georgia. We have. Uh, Joel Sclavy propping for Argentina Will Skelton obviously for Australia Will or Lavinia Batia seven for France um, Soutini Samoa mm. um, and um, you mean that there's, I would make a big case for Raymond Rule and Dylan Lades and for wingers for South Africa but they seem to have a very I suppose um Closed group or an established group yeah. which that they believe in, but for me they're well capable of 
shining at test level. Mm. I remember uh, Brian Cody saying years ago it was after it, like Kilkenny were on some sort of a six or seven. They'd won six or seven out of the row, whatever. It wasn't that many, but they'd won six or seven out of eight or nine years, whatever it was. And like there was nobody would have a bad word to say about them. And he came out after the All Stars. They got like maybe maybe they got like ten places on the team of fifteen. And it, Brian Cody was apoplectic about it. He was like, "I can't believe this. What disrespect they're showing this Kilkenny team." Is there a little bit of that as well? That I like, know, I'm sure why that no. that you know that Toulouse are getting. Uh, I know because I saw Hastoy. Uh, there's quotes carried in the Examiner this morning from that piece he did in the Olympic during the week about like the eight players selected and the job that you've done and all that. But there's no like. Um, is that does that feed into the disrespect? No, or no, 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 no. Listen, Adrian, there's that there be no doubt about this. Uh, wh- whatever way you look at it, Toulouse are worthy winners of the top fourteen. They have the medal. It's mm. done. It'll never change. That's it. Mm. And from my point of view, uh, there's disappointment there, but there's uh, a deep respect for what they do as a club. Yeah, uh, and. To feel that we are, uh, uh, what's the word, tainted, is it, or, or not given enough respect, uh, that mm-hmm. wouldn't be my okay. my sentiment one bit at all. No, we you mentioned about Ogo um, Mola there, the, um, Leo Cullen. Uh, it just struck me last night that you have been in each other's um, environment for over twenty years. It's incredible, really. Mm-hmm. Um, between and like quite often, like in the red heat of battle as well, in the like uh, fiery interprose inter- over the years and then obviously in a court there's probably nobody that you've been in competition with as much as him yeah. over the over that period of time yeah I didn't think about it like that but um, yeah and he's uh, he's a a very probably underappreciated competitor I think a lot of guys think that he's more manager role yeah he'd have that overseeing role but I think um this guy is a, a serious, serious operator with a with a burning desire inside him to make his club the best club in the world, and uh, he's very much succeeded because they've become, and I suppose, the, anyone who wants personal development or have a look what's a humming environment, they go home and, and spend a week in Leinster. That's that's the reality, and that's the uh, model he's created, which is all credit to him. Uh, but I agree with you. I think uh, you may find that he'd be more observing, but I, w- I wouldn't, I'm, I can't comment accurately because I'm not in there, but Leo was always a great competitor, smart, uh, but he had a nice edgy side to him, but what's, I suppose, important for me to say on record would be the fact that... Uh, well, I've always remained in contact with him for the last 20 years. There's been times when you can't, how can you get on, you know, because it's yeah. Munster or Leinster, or it's La Rochelle or Leinster, but there's always been um, a uh, a text of respect sent uh, either way. Right. Yeah, I did wonder about that, about, the, um, like, do you get a chance after the final to sit down? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Not this final, last final we did, they were incredibly... Um, Gracious guy used to be uh, Stuart and Leo came for a beer, you know. Mm. So that's tough because if I was going for a beer after Saturday night, yeah, <laughs> to lose changing room, <laughs> into midnight, it. it's yeah. You know what I mean? That's very important. It's hard, like, isn't it? When you're in that, you're trying to be yeah, as magnanimous as you can. Yeah, but it shows the, I suppose, the level of the person and mm. people you're dealing with. That's that's very very sporting on their behalf. Mm. 
what was your immediate reaction when you saw the draw for the Heineken Champions Cup come through and you saw that Leinster were again oh, pulled out of the hat? Unbelievable because we have a staff group and we got version one of the draw and then <laughs> we were having lunch together and then one of the members of staff said that that, that isn't your pool. Always like a pre-draw. Yeah, so yes, run exactly. Okay, okay. And that was sent on to the staff WhatsApp so we were like... Jeez, that's a good draw. Okay, okay. <laughs> it was, it was in that one. It was in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. What a stinker. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> What's going to happen there? Like, So you have to, you play that four. That staff member able to come back from that <laughs> post to see. Yeah, well, he thought, delete, it, was, he thought it was the everyone. actual. Oh, yeah, that was. Yeah, right, right. So talk about getting, yeah, it's a good start to our day. Yeah, delete, delete, um, delete. Yeah, but pool four is juicy. Oh, say the least. Yeah, but sure. Nothing confirmed yet as to whether it's going to be there or here. Is that the, the venues of no, TBC? No, no idea yet. Uh, and there isn't much. It's quite difficult um, comprehension of the understanding of crazy. of who is home and why, isn't it? Mm. And and also you can't play There's a team that's kind of six asterisks about why it could be a home yeah. game for you. Why don't they just simplify the thing? Yeah, but that'd be too easy. <laughs> make more, make too much sense. Um, it's a it's a weird fixture to have now. There's no great satisfaction in it for anybody either way. It's not like, you know, if Leinster managed to finally beat you that it's any kind of redemption. And on your side, you just have to go about it as sort of business as usual. We need to win this game. Mm. Like it's a weird. Well, there's no je- setup. There's very little jeopardy in the in the system. So like, I don't know if shadow boxing comes into it at all when that game eventually comes around. But there could be an element, I presume, of of that. You don't want to show your full hand necessarily if you're if you're. Say already got well, it a team. depends if you need points or yeah. not because the other teams are. So you could have a situation where you mean you go away to uh, Sale, isn't it? Then you mm. could go away to um, Stormers there, and yeah. then home to Leinster. You know, yeah. that's with all due respect, those, those games could go either way. Yeah. You know, the, so uh, the, the demand for uh, tickets. From here, your phone will be off the charts. Like it's uh, yeah, yeah. What do we get it's, away? It's, um, yeah, it's just it's. Is it only two teams go through from? Isn't it? It's two out of the so it's six. You play each team, so you four games. Yeah, you play. There's f- f- six teams in the group, and you only play four of them. Yeah, because one yeah, we don't group, play staff and two that go through. Maybe and I don't know. It's a weird system. It's uh, they should try and simplify it if they can. Well, the old Heineken Cup system was, I think, a sweet spot, wasn't it? I mean, the way they used to do it seemed seemed perfect, but. I guess yeah, but then there was all these people giving out then about the, the whatever team got the two Italian teams, mm. you know. But I think they've progressed sufficiently now at this stage, you know. But like it was always the two best runners up came from those pools, yeah, which made it very lopsided for those teams that were luck, uh, lucky enough to get those teams at the time. But yeah, it's 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 um, it's a it's a I suppose a programme that's difficult to follow at this stage. Um, we've some lovely comments coming in and I'll get to them in a second but a few quick fire ones before that. You were working with, was it Galway last year you were working with? Or I know I wasn't working with Or them. you were doing bits of... Yeah, I spoke to obviously part of Joyce and be in contact yeah. with him. And Are you doing any of that this year? Um, with any team? No. No. <laughs> you have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the record, like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't get back. I I would like to, and I I um 
it's great because you few people reach out, so you get to uh, visit a few teams, you know. But uh, I haven't. I'm I'm in text conversations with a few teams, but not football. Cold. <laughs> All right, the other warm, one uh, warm. Not like the moon landings last week. I think I was very warm with the thing. Um, yeah, you were. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I'm not genuine. I. I We'll have a look at that now because there's a break in my season, you know? Yeah. Uh, hurling? Hurling. Yeah. Limerick? No. <laughs> couldn't do that. I couldn't pick a monster team. Just trying to think gone. who would be likely to... Henry Shefflin's probably a man who's... Uh, no, I haven't. I genuinely <laughs> haven't been talking to... Um, I was just I was talking to um, Porrick Joyce, but I haven't been over to Galway this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, we you'd, when we chatted to you last week you brought up the GA at the end are you getting to Porky Cueve tomorrow at the Plain Russ Common in the no I'm home get down. tonight yeah, so. yeah, out of Dodge uh, you know the coach well yes yeah, uh, glue to the telly yeah. the curtain will be across to keep the sun away <laughs> a few beers over no <laughs> hopefully you have a good drinking partner that's the, <laughs> no, that's no, the key no, no. to that I, know I don't need beers for watching sport I, um, but geez the hurling is, is incredible at the minute isn't it yeah. oh yeah. what a sport yeah, yeah. At its best, what's what's your go-to like outside of rugby? Are you yeah, I love the, the hurling. Yeah, and the football. Yeah, I love the the G and the. Do you watch much soccer? Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Do you watch a bit of? Are you sort of just anything? The that's kids on love soccer. Do they? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I've obviously um, Hugo Lloris. I think you were talking to. Yeah, us before, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, my young one of my boys is a big Man United fan. Right. And then the youngest is a Liverpool fan. Mm. The um, so yeah, they love it. They love it. But oh, yeah. you're a Liverpool fan, are you? yeah. But yeah. it's ninety minutes. It's, it's oh, a big paint dry like, sometimes. Yeah, long time. And, you know, yeah. the game, you're so. not like uh, you're not looking at it with the coach's hat on. No, appreciating the no. Even though you have to admire what Man City did, obviously, you know. Yeah, Guardiola is um, serious driver of men. Yeah. yeah. Have you mentioned earlier on about like people going into the Leinster environment, so that sort of thing where yeah. people go to different coaches. Have you had people in? Yeah, 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 yeah. They come. It's getting busy now, you know. But I'd be very open and that just come in and they can have anything or everything. Really? Yeah, I think it's because we're already kind of that's the present. But like I'm already projecting about where you need to get your game to, you know. So you're always thinking about the now, but I've, but also. But I think it's very important too that you share, you know, that was what I got out of the Crusaders, you know, they were yeah. very open. And when people are good to you, I think you, you need to be good to people back, you know, uh, that's the way it works. Would you be a big reader? Yeah, I enjoy reading, but I, um, um, I, when I didn't have kids, obviously I, I read an awful lot, mm. but now that parked for a lot, you know, you need oh, your sleep. Possible. yeah. Yeah. You know, that's priority. Or you read one. a page and then you're asleep. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't last more than a page. <laughs> oh, it's a killer. Shattered. We got away for, uh, went to the Monaco Grand Prix a few weeks ago, uh, which in itself was an exceptional experience. Oh, wow, yeah. Incredible. But I managed to read half a book because we went without the kids. It was like... What's an, happening an here? A window into life where you could actually like... Yeah. Have a bit of time to yourself. Yeah, that was it when holidays, yeah. When you didn't have kids, I used to yeah. read... But is it, it, uh, it is that thing on the theming aspect you probably get like, like even Ronnie O'Sullivan was sitting in that seat with us recently and he like he was talking about reading a book by this climber guy who climbed Yosemite National Park in, in, in America Tommy Caldwell and like he was getting little tidbits 
for his own mm. sports psychology from books. Oh, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. Something similar. There's definitely no goods there, you know. The uh, yeah, there's some brilliant books. Some mm. brilliant books recommended by. So it doesn't matter who recommends them. Yeah. But the, um, what is it? The one? Uh, there's a few good nuggets in the obstacle becomes the way. I don't think that's the the title, but right. a lot of people see the obstacle as something that stops you. But if you actually change your mindset or change your perception, it be- mm. the obstacle becomes the solution. Yeah, it's interesting, you know. Different way of thinking. Yeah. 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 Um, you're still going in for the odd dip I presume are you out, yes. out the front and out the gap and then you go all year round <laughs> no 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 I'm quite late to start this year but I've started a few weeks ago and I'll yeah changes the head completely you know you're kind of wondering will I won't I yeah. <laughs> after yeah. cold water it's yeah. even though it's not very cold at all the Vim you're Hoff. not cold when you come out you know which yeah. is weird while in Ireland you're you're searching project. for some parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vim Hoff. Yeah. Like, do you follow that guy? That's he's the one. The cold water. Um, like yeah, he that was on posted on these pages last week. Was it? He's something. I, he's, he, some records. He, method. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He 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 had tragedy in his life years ago, and he came up with this thing of cold water therapy. You you uh, immerse yourself in cold water. I think it's like ele- if you do eleven minutes a week, it's supposed to be very good for the head. In any, in any, like in a one-off, in a, a one setting, or does that mean your head has to be underneath? I don't know. I'd okay. say, uh, no, I think it's just body, body. Jeez, yeah. would be, be seeking a lot of. <laughs> I get the uh, flat headaches, wouldn't you, if you would. were under, <laughs> underneath the water? Oh, not for that length. Flat, no, but he like flat he, white afterwards, you'd be sorted. Exactly. You would be, but yeah, you kind of less coffee season now in the summer, isn't it? Right. Ah, uh, it's coffee season all year round. Yeah, well, it is in Ireland. I yeah. can't shake the image of you out in Dalky uh, last night, or Black Rock last night, with the swing in the, uh, the Champions Cup. I'm there sure was no, it's not true. There was no cups. Was there a bit of crag out there about there it? Was, there was. Yeah, good. Yeah, there was good. There was a were nice, um, really nice clientele. Uh, there's some lovely comments coming in. Um, what's your, uh, what is your, so you mentioned holidays, a little bit of a breather, downtime. Will you just totally decompress from anything to do with the game or will you be because yeah. I know you've spoken before about bringing the laptop and no I won't bring the laptop but as you say you might find a book which mm. give you inspiration but it's not as if I dislike my work you know yeah. I just think it's very important that you actually um, make two weeks very different to the other 50 of the year yeah do you get me so yeah, it's yeah. not there's nothing like routine or you just have to go to a place where um, you don't know and just embrace it. Yeah. Um, we've seen uh, various ex- exports go to various parts of the world. We've had Trevor Brennan and other people who go to these places and then their kids grow up and you're like, oh, when they get a bit older now, they'll come back and they'll, they'll play for Ireland and it's not always the case. What about the O'Garas? Oh, yeah, we'll always come back, you know. I think that's for certain. It's just, uh, it's fast at the minute, you know, I think. That game is fine margins, you know, as you know. Uh, And the project I'm in at the minute is only starting, you know. So it's um, very, very exciting because it's good people, people you care about. Mm. It's not as if it's just a thrown together Mm. club, you know. The president has a lot of good values. He's 73, Vincent Merling, Cafe Merling, has created a nice... um, 
club where you mean respect and honesty are mentioned daily. Right. Humility is mentioned daily, you know, and I think nice. that's yeah, it is nice mm. because it becomes powerful when you respect the values as opposed to a lot of environments you go to wall, words are plastered on the wall mm. but they mean nothing. But um I mean I think when you play close to what your values mean uh, it creates bonds and bonds create I suppose different opportunity for boys of mm. 20 years of age to mm. 37 years of age that that want to do something together so it sounds maybe complicated or far-fetched but it isn't it's very very simple mm. you say you're at the start of the journey like you, you don't look at something like say the 2027 World Cup in, in four years time and say I'd like to be there by that point like are you taking it very much more short term than that or is it you have a plan in your head as to where you'd like to be yeah it'd be very unlikely I'd be at the 2027 World Cup involved with anyone yeah because it's obviously it changes very quickly I, I, I realise that but um do you know the the Ireland will have Andy Farrell if Andy Farrell wants to go to 2027 and Fabian Geltier is going to 2027 um, so they're the two that probably appeal the most mm-hmm. um, Your kids are playing all sorts of sports when they get that bit older will there be any question about the allegiance? No but they're I suppose what you do learn is that they're Parents are from are from Cork and are are hugely uh, uh, proud of where we come from. But for them, uh, uh, you know what we've seen so far, it's a long way off uh, having a choice to play ah, <laughs> for, yeah, yeah, yeah. to play for an international team. Believe yeah. me. You know, <laughs> well, they come from good stock. It's not entirely unlikely, and they're they're playing away. A couple of them are playing. <coughs> yeah, away. they are. But they're like it's it's they're fourteen is the eldest. You know, yeah. you need to just take a breath. Cool the boots a bit. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. in his head sometimes. You know, what I mean, with Instagram, they think that. Yeah. You mean they. They have all the gear, but believe me, when it comes to it, <laughs> well, uh, listen, you know. But <coughs> that's you can't stop kids dreaming, you know. Yeah. That's very important too. So, but what's important is what I see is to step back, get away from it, yeah. you know. And if you want to watch, I think watch. But I, it's very rare I go and watch because of my timetable, which is disappointing. And the kids say that, well, Dad doesn't come and watch me play, you know. Yeah. I'm like, oh. That's hard. That hurts. Yeah. Mm. You know, but then what you don't want to be is that busy parent on the sideline giving their opinion. Just it's the kids' time. Yeah. Let them Let play. Them it like. Let them express themselves. They have fun. At twenty or eighteen, they can start getting worried about winning medals and stuff, you know. Yeah. But I think at that age if they can play a number of different sports, they might mm. could contribute to a better player or athlete at that stage. Mm. Yeah, my seven-year-old is trying to figure out which country he's going to. He's trying to decide which country will I play for. He doesn't quite understand that. He, I mean, that's <laughs> Grealish and Declan Rice. Hard to get there to begin with, yeah. and uh, it doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> but it can. Why not him? That's oh no, totally. Or but, her. but and I wouldn't. Uh, no, I wouldn't discourage him. But, but uh, just the he, he's he's not sure would it be Ireland or he has a connection for uh, France. It seems. I think it's Mbappe led. To be yeah. honest, but uh, yeah, yeah, she's he uh, saw Mbappe live at a game recently. Uh, they went to see. Uh, Two kids meet Mbappe and Messi. Yeah, Angers have nice. a, a playing the uh, Paris Saint Germain. So Angers is near La Rochelle. You know, it's a yeah. mm. two-hour drive maybe. So 
One of the sponsors, I think, has a dual sponsorship with us and them, so we got the royal treatment. Class. Yeah, it was. It was very interesting to see. Just yeah. cool watching what a soccer warm-up is and yeah. how you know you've picked the wrong choice when there's so much contact in rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and these guys are just kind of like... Dancing around. A few little abductor stretches. <laughs> yeah, and that's right, yeah. Talking like this. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And, uh, it's only a matter of time before that comes into rugby. <coughs> uh, you know, the lip readers are out there. And Yeah, and... Uh, but just... Um, the acceleration in real life of uh, Mbappe. Wow. Mm. Yeah, because we had um, the um, Ch- is it Ch- Tunisian right back who plays for Paris Saint-Germain? Kamimi or Ka- um, no, maybe not. Who was it? Mor- Moroccan. Moroccan. <clears throat> Akimi, Ashraf Akimi. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's fast too, you know. Yeah. Bolts up and down the sideline, you know, and you see an awful lot of off, off the ball stuff. Obviously, when you're in the ground on TV, yeah. you don't unless you have maybe. Well, there are some great obviously angles on TV, but yeah, just to see the acceleration of uh, Mbappe. Messi wasn't was only in second gear that night. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. too pushed, you know. Yeah. Uh, Sergio Ramos was was impressive. He had presence on the pitch, you mm. know. Um, but it was just. Um, it's such a different game and like I suppose most things when you're in a stadium you different get to appreciate what, yeah. how they push isn't it and they Jeez, close yeah. teams down and because in telly you think they have a load of time on the ball and why is he stressed about that that's but right there isn't no. it isn't that easy to pick a pass seconds yeah 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 um, you'll be back in when the next franchise is opened in uh, some other uh, salubrious surrounds in South <laughs> Dublin. But um, for the minute, thanks, Amelia, for coming in. Enjoy the break. Thank you. And congrats Everyone. on the season. Good man. Thanks, Adrian. Cheers, boys. Ronan Agar there. Uh, if you're still using the old Off the Ball app, by the way, there is a new app en route. And so head into the App Store or the Play Store sometime soon and it will be available uh, for you to pick up. So head along there and update your app. Uh, we have Luke Lachlan to come, the Westmead footballer after a brilliant season for them. Uh, but before that, uh, some more post-match reaction from Tala last night. Kathleen chatting to the Republic of Ireland manager, Fira Pau. There was a very obvious difference between the first and the second half and the changes that came in. And even the players who stayed on, you know, Abby Larkin and Claire both stayed on. And you could really see the two of them lift their game in that second half. Yeah, to Abby, I, I said literally, don't, um, uh, don't listen to all those people with all good, good reasons and, and they want it good for you. But everybody's talking to you, trying to do what others say. Her quality is to play the game with a feeling to solve situations and to do it in a way that nobody else can. And she's very young, so she wants to listen to everybody, but I said, just forget everything and you are going to play your own game now the second half. And I give you the complete freedom to play and to solve the situation how you feel that you need to do it. And uh, the response is, is, is so nice to see then, yeah. And just before Amber scored her goal, not the penalty, the second one, you were shouting some instructions at her from the sideline. Do you remember what you were saying to her? Uh, yeah, that she had to go length. Yeah, that she had to take off, take off, take off, because that's her strength. Yeah. Is that why she got the big thumbs up afterwards when she was running away, wheeling, scoring her goal? Yeah, and, and we had we had a few conversations uh, about and that. Uh, um, yeah, with all the players, uh, but with her today, we had, yeah, this is your chance. This is your chance. Don't, don't hide yourself or put in a corner and, 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 uh, yeah, and have the fear of, of not doing well. Yeah, we're fully dialed into uh, the Republic of Ireland at this stage now, obviously, in the eve of the World Cup. And you can check out uh, long-form conversation and reactions to the game last night. Kathleen 
uh, with the Koi Gig podcast is available now um, in the uh, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Uh, Michael Murray's been in touch on YouTube to say thanks to OTB and Ronan for allowing us into this open, intimate, and life affirming conversation. And that kind of sums up how we spent the last 40 minutes or thereabouts. We're moving on to uh, GEA now. We're going to preview the Galway Mayo game in just a little bit. But before that, we wanted to um, have one final uh, reaction from last weekend's absolute drama in the last round of group games in the All Ireland Football Championships. And to do that, I'm delighted to say Westmeath footballer Luke Lachlan is on the line. Morning, Luke. Morning, lads. How are you getting on? Good. Thanks for being patient there. We were uh, running over a little bit, so appreciate yeah, that. It's my fault. My fault with the technical difficulties. My phone, I think, thought it was Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've just been chatting to Ronan Agar about the aftermath of uh, a defeat in a high profile game and yeah how you can sort of he wasn't saying he wallowed in it necessarily but um, it takes a toll definitely very hard to follow Ronan Agarra so <laughs> be careful what I say um, yeah it's, it's tough to take like we obviously drew the game but very much so in Westmead it feels like a loss because we were so close. Like, I know there was a time at that stage, like, in the game where we thought we had to win by, I think, four or five. And, like, we obviously worked on calls for that to score, try and get goals, like, you know, throw the sink at it, kitchen sink at it, basically. But we're we're lucky here in the way that we were straight into club football this week. And I suppose that's how, um, that's how you, you get on with it. Like, I just, I was t- talking to someone during the week, maybe about defeats, and for two seconds when I was on the pitch, it's the worst moment, it's the worst feeling in the world. But then, when you get a little older, you just think of things you're grateful for, you soak in the atmosphere and you just worry, how you can you get how can you get better the next time? Or how can you make sure that that doesn't happen? And that's all you can do. Like, at the end of the day, it's a game. And yeah. That's it, really. It's, um, it's a very mature outlook. The, the, the Aidan O'Shea stuff at the end of the Mayo game, where it, by all accounts seems like he didn't know yeah, that he needed yeah. to just knock it over the bar and it came up short and you mentioned there about the various calls did did uh, did John or did any know on the pitch that because I think the Shane Walsh stuff with yeah, Galway yeah. was playing out almost simultaneously did you know knock this over and we're through or we've a good chance um, actually two two minutes before the free uh, David Lynch uh, wing back he does a lot of the calls and stuff he's just very just Brilliant, that sort of way, you know, he's just so clued in. He uh, he said, right, we need a goal at least. Okay. Uh, because we actually, we felt like we were going to win. But then when uh, Myler touched the ball on the ground and it was a free in, Lynchy, the same fella said, he goes, if we if we score this and we just don't let them get the ball, we're through. Oh, so wow. it was some, someone got it on. Someone got it on to me anyway. Like So I don't know if everyone knew that. But uh, yeah, look, it's... It's it's hard. It is tough, but like as a sports person, these sort of things make you stronger. Like they make or they make you want to get back to earlier. Like everyone, like like in my message requests on Instagram, like you know, I've lads there saying mess me all week. You should have fucking bet our ma. Like you know, just yeah. this is just this week here now, <laughs> and this they don't they they don't get it at all. Um, but I just find that I I'm already thinking about next year, like. You're probably going to ask any like we're such a poor league for the talent that we have, and the only like going forward getting promoted is just it's 
it's a no-brainer. It's the only thing that can happen for this team anyway. What happened there, Luke? So the the everybody's familiar with the highs of last year, yeah. and I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. probably most people were fi- were hoping that the Talton Cup was going to live out the expectation yeah. of it, as in yeah. you're playing uh, teams at similar level, you're playing loads of games, high-profile games, high-pressure games, Croke Park games, and so the net result of all of that is that you hit the league running, you, yeah. they're thereabouts for promotion, and not far off, to be fair, but the loud game as well, obviously, was a big disappointment. What do you think, um, what do you put that down to? Um, there's probably a few factors in everything, like, I'm not joking, I'll say this to get it out of the way first. A bit of luck, honestly. Like the low game, like we were in at half time and we just probably hadn't got the time to practice what we had got better at in later games. We just came up short, say, in closing out a game or holding on to the ball. If we held on to the ball against Loud the way we did against Armagh at times, we, there was like we'd have won. It's as simple as that, you know, mm-hmm. if we had that control. But uh, in the league, it's hard to know, like, you'd five downs panellists coming back in late. Like, there's a big thing. You have five lads, you know, at a high level. Then coming up to the first round against Calvin, I don't think a lot of people didn't really know what to expect. Like, we had a lot of injuries, you know. Like, there was five, I think, four lads, five lads carrying knocks on the bench that were, like, down to start. Obviously, just throw off Calvin, maybe, or whatever. Just put a team out with, like, they're, they're not near right. And a league, you want to be able to put new lads in and to blend them into the team. But just this year at Westmead, just the way injuries fell, we just couldn't really do that. And then I just found we were, we just didn't really get much fluidity in a team. And that's very hard, you know, when you're trying different lads and mm. getting used to new coaching. And like, not that much has changed, but like, J.O.'s influence is obviously, it's clear to see there towards the end with the way we played. But maybe he just didn't get long enough with us at the start of the year as well, you know. There's lots of things. Maybe our pre-season as well didn't start early enough. But What do you mean you know. by the J.O. influence? Well, like, you can see the control there. Like, well, no, I'm, not compa- no, I'm not comparing us to Dublin, but just the way they were able to control games and hold on to the ball. I think a few years ago, they were the first to start. And now you see Ross Common doing it now. That's just obviously a different tactic. But at times, we were the better team by a far bit in the last few games. Now, the Galway game towards the end, you know, they just basically just kicked it into sixth gear when we had the man sent off. But in the Armand-Tyrone game, like, when we were holding on to the ball, we just were in total control, like, knew what we were at. Whereas maybe in the Lau game, we were up because... We're, we're we're a talented team. There's no doubt. There's no denying that. We've good forwards. We've we've good players all over. But we had no real control, like in the second half at all. We had no one to settle it down. Whereas we got so much better in that in short space of time. You know, it's it's funny, Luke. Like you, you look at the positives as well, and and people often talk about the gap between the Division One league teams and and the, and I guess the rest. But you're you're essentially after having a mini Division One campaign, uh, albeit on mm-hmm. I know got relegated from Division One this year, but then Tyrone and Galway as well. Like, is the gap narrower than maybe you would have thought in advance? Because everyone looked at that group, and with all due respect to Westmeath, thought there's three defeats for Westmeath. They're going to prop up that group, but it was certainly mm-hmm. not as easy as 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 it uh, was in some people's heads for for those teams playing yourselves. 
Um, no, it didn't really. I, to be honest, I actually felt going up to Armagh, we were going to win. Just something, I just something in the cap. I just, I think, just no fear, genuinely. Like we had nothing to lose. Like if we got hammered in that game, it's what people would have thought anyway. Mm. So the, you know, that's what people. So we never, we never bought into that. And the performance then obviously gave us great confidence going forward. That geez, we're not a mile off here. But like, there's a few small things. Well, this is just my opinion. I think conditioning of. Is this is a is a is a bit like uh, and maybe panel you know being able to bring mm. uh, lads in that are just as good as starters like I just think the top teams have genuine like better players on the bench sometimes and I would say like we've got obviously if you're in the county panel you're you're obviously a brilliant player like but they've just got that X fax coming off the bench finishing a game and that is a big thing like if you have a lad that's as good as your starting corner forward coming on and he's going on to a lad that's after running around for 45, 50 minutes. <laughs> like, there's only going one way, like, you know what I mean? Is, is that squad thing, is that improving in Westmead? Like, are, are the players there, I suppose, is what I'm asking. Like, is do you think over the next couple of years that that can be, that can be amended to where Westmead have 20, 22, 23 players that can, that can come in and do damage? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Just say, uh, it's getting the younger lads up to the conditioning of say maybe the older lads like you go out and watch a club game there and a young lad will he could be the best player in the pitch just put him on a county pitch and it's just not the same it's it's hard to explain like the difference like even some lads might get well like i'm not just saying this but canavan there like he's coming now how many years like there he's obviously a brilliant player and so talented but like he's turned into a man now like and it's just he might not be the biggest, but see him at the weekend just <laughs> bouncing off lads, you know. Like there's not many lads like that I able to do that from a young age. Mm. You know. Um just as we wrap up, Luke, I was interested in your comment about like the bit of slice of luck that um yeah. could have gone your way. Like I, I took from what you were saying that so I was at the Kildare game last year and there was only three points between the teams at the end. Yeah. But it felt like an awful lot and there was a chance to win it. it uh, Westmead got a goal at the end but obviously it didn't materialise. But it did feel as if there was more than three points between them. While been at some of the games this year like you've described it feels like that's <coughs> looking at Westmead it's very clear that they're playing at their level against some of the best teams in the country. Mm. Is Do you feel that that's uh, you know in terms of like the old cliche about turning the corner but that that's now Westmead's level yeah well like that's what we have to be striving for like if you're if you're not growing or trying to get better you're going over like to be honest and you obviously want to get to the top so for us to get there like I'm not saying we're going to win all Ireland here or I'm not going to say that, but like you want to be making strides and especially with to say on a personal level like I want to leave the jersey in a better place than I got so when I got it, it was in, in around the same Division 2, Division 3. So you want to be a top Division 2 team. That's where I'm at least striving for because then those Division 2 teams are able to beat Division 1 teams. It's kind of all in and around the same level, you know. So, yeah, it's not, it's not that the levels are... There's a clear difference between Division 1 and everyone else, but the top Division 2 teams aren't too far off. So you just have to be striving to get better every year, you know. 
The difficulty now will be that people expect you'll have no more disrespect to the likes of Shane saying <laughs> oh, about, oh, did you, no. did you did you overperform or any of the, <laughs> Or I know our producer texts you about overperformance. Not me. I'm not having yeah. any of that. Ah, um, sorry. Ah, sorry. That glitch. You could have talked about that there when we had the glitch there a few minutes. <laughs> now, but you were saying, Luke, you had the fellas in your Instagram message request. Like, is that a common thing? Yeah. I would be. Yeah. Well, just there, like, I would post not so much now the last while, kind of quiet on social media, but. Just kind of in terms of, say, my sobriety and trying to live a better life, uh, you would get, say, uh, people nearly asking for some sort of advice on how to how to get out of rut they're in or whatever. Or, uh, see, my problem is I, uh, I can't say no to anyone. I just cannot say no. And I'm like, if someone comes up to me in the street and wants to talk about, say, Lomans and like he's talking bad mountain them. I'm there listening, like as if and if anyone heard the conversations, like I'm talking about them, you know. So yeah, that's uh, that's all good fun, you know, at the end of the day. It's not too light you have to take everything with a pinch of salt and be quite lighthearted and enjoy it. That's the most important thing. Yeah, well, um you're a great ambassador for sobriety and we've spoken to you in depth about that before. We'll chat to you yeah. about it again down the track and I hope yeah, that we're talking definitely. to you again in uh, six, eight months after promotion and Eight, nine months after a good run into uh, deep into the other island as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Bit we'll, of luck. We'll do that. Luke, thanks a million. Lads, have a good weekend. Take it it's easy. Not you too, Good luck, Lachlan, on the line there. That's a refreshing conversation, I have to say, to, have, to have had. Like, it's, uh, I, um, I found myself in the middle of the conversation getting excited about next year already. Yeah. Like, I- like that the players are expecting. We're going to beat Armagh. You could kind of tell watching that Westmead Armagh game. I remember watching it that, that evening, and, and you could tell Westmead had no. There was no bones that this is a, a top Armagh team that yeah. possibly were kicking the ball from an All-Ireland semi-final last year or more. Like, Westmeath were definitely in that game. And I think they'll be kicking themselves, oh, certainly nice. now that they didn't get something out of it. But And even at the weekend, that, oh. that John Heslin free, like, you see the angle from the stand and it's just, he, you could tell he was maybe nervous kicking it because the way in which he kicked it, he missed the far post. Well, um, I think he was trying to, he had already scored nine points. John Heslin oh, owed, yes, owed sorry, nothing like, to that game. Yeah. And he owes nothing to Westmead. Like, uh, is without doubt, I would challenge anybody one of the finest footballers in the country. Are you getting any team for the best part of the he last would. decade? Yeah. And there's no question about that. And people don't know enough about him mm. because he's playing for Westmead, and that's unfortunate. But hopefully, he's got a bit of a kick now in the Indian. But he, he's his on career. Conor McManus. But there'd have been no. There'd have been no. He uh, at least. Yeah, but that, my point is, McManus is, sure. is playing for a Division One team. That's why. No, he's totally, totally, about, totally. Like, if totally was you're the same. right. Um, but there would have been no hesitancy about he would have been uber confident that he could kick that mm. over and it was just it was the, the I was listening to it on the radio did I mention that earlier on I was listening to it on the yeah, radio yeah, yeah. and the the um, commentator a tough angle Heslin's lining it up and it's gone over the bar and I'm oh, losing the no. plot I'm losing the plot in the car shame the oh. three kids are in the back and they're laughing their heads off because they don't know what's going on and I'm losing the plot and then he says I got about, I got about five or six seconds of, bliss. of ecstasy yeah Ecstasy. At least you got that. The Galway Armagh game was still playing out, so I still wasn't sure. But I thought, oh my, we how we, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And then the bubble because the umpire took a wee. And he says, few seconds to the go. The umpire over has dark. waved it wide. Oh Jesus! Yeah, killer. And he could have easily given it, but to be fair, you watch the video. Heslam walks away. He knows himself. It's not over. It's, it's it is the width of a post. Though. Oh, it's marginal. It's definitely marginal. But I find myself even chatting to Luke. I remember speaking to Luke before, sure, on the show, and yeah. such an inspiring story. And I found myself even during the Armagh game properly supporting Westmeath. Yeah, I was born in Armagh, but like properly supporting Westmeath. Um, 
because of characters like Luke who are just as you say great ambassadors they, they, have, they, have, the they have a great team they yeah. really do I made the point um, a year and a half ago or more that um, haven't seen them uh, look it was against Longford mm. in uh, Leinster quarter final in Mullingar so there's always context but yeah. like they put together 20 minutes there that you could tell there was the bones of something and they do have brilliant individual players really interesting to hear what he has to say about uh, Jason Sherlock's influence as well and, and uh, I think it's, it's always nice to support your county when you have a, a, a local management team as well when you see the likes of Desi yeah. Dolan and, and John Kane as yeah. well involved it just helps, doesn't it? I, I just like seeing kind of. I don't mind that if we're succeeding, I don't care. Well, of course, it doesn't really matter. You know, if Paddy O'Shea wants to take the reins, let him at it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Whoever wants yeah. to come in. I, was, uh, I had a big push on for Tomas O'Shea not that long ago, so I'm, uh, you know. And that might, that might happen down the track. Who knows? After we won in All Ireland. Okay. Right, it is um, five minutes past nine o'clock, and uh, you're watching OTVM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. We have Alan Quinlan to come. We're going to look ahead to the Under 20 uh, World Championship in just a little bit. So that's all coming up down the track. But before all of that, uh, we're turning our attention to the game of the weekend possibly the game of the year it's the All-Ireland uh, football quarter-final preliminaries it's Galway against Mayo it's Salt Hill it's Sunday it's 3 o'clock and I'm delighted to say to preview the game in the maroon corner Gary Sice and the red and green corner Keith Higgins welcome gentlemen morning we'll uh, get into the game uh, properly in a second but is there any uh, nagging feeling that no matter the outcome of the game on Sunday that there's sort of significant doubts been raised about both teams Keith uh, I think so, yeah. Um, I think if last Sunday had gone, I suppose, according to plan, as both teams would have liked, you know, you're looking at a, a week's break here, clear up injuries, and both teams are probably all contenders at this stage. Uh, um, you're kind of questioning both. So, yeah, I think last Sunday had a big bearing on both teams. Um, I think probably even just from a goal point of view with the injuries that they have, you know, the fact that they've had that less week to kind of get them cleared up, there's doubts over a few players, whether they be fully fit. And then from a male point of view, all the momentum they had after that Kerry game, I think, is gone. So, yeah, there's definitely question marks over both. What do you think, Gary? Are they just both of them all still blown off the cobwebs at this stage of the year? There's more to come or big doubts? Oh, I think we're we're, we're in big doubt territory now at the minute for both of them, especially after last weekend. I think kicking the ball for, for Galway and we're talking All-Ireland contenders still, but now we have injuries to some major players and we are going into a weekend against the old foe and it's toss of a coin like, and it's not the way things sh- should have gone because things were going so well before that but it's definitely they're, they're, no, they're not in the, in the contenders uh, bracket at the minute based on, on last weekend Yeah the teams obviously named last night and uh, Sean Kelly and Damien Comer both named in the starting 15 I watched Comer come off the bench in Mullingar a few weeks ago and sort of kicked three or four points but limped around looked like he might have come off again and obviously Park Joyce pulled the all switcheroo with him ahead of the Armagh game um, last weekend as well. Are they are they going to start? What's the word? I think uh, the, the, things are very quiet. There, there's very, very little about it. I think they have to. Um, I don't think there can be any, any shadow boxing this weekend. I think if Damien is, is good to go, he's 60, 70%, he has to play. Um, I think we need to get them together, himself and Shane and Ian up front. And I think he cause problems even on one leg for me all the weekend if, if that's the way things have to be. The problem you have then is going forward, what happens? if we get over the weekend um, as far as Sean Kelly goes it didn't look good at the weekend he came off in a boot and he's probably pound for pound one of the best players in the country at the minute top top performer for us and it probably can't be without him really so everybody in Galway is hopeful I'm sure that he, he can uh, participate at the weekend Keith I suppose everyone talking about home advantage for this one but I, I, I guess when you look at Mayo's record in Salt Hill it's, it's not half bad uh, John Fogarty's writing in the Irish Examiner this morning as well about 
even something as simple in Salt Hill as the importance of winning the toss. I think it's given a bit of rain and maybe uh, some usual Salt Hill wind as well at, uh, at the weekend. So, I mean, how important is that home advantage and even winning that toss as well? Because it can, it can be worth a few points. Yeah, I think there's a, f- a few things in that. I think, first of all, the fact that it's not in McHale Park, you won't, I don't think too many male people be complaining about that. Um, there a record there. You look at the performances there over the last few years, probably haven't been great. You know, Salt Hill, like you mentioned there, the conditions are definitely going to play a big part. And I remember having this conversation with Gary, I think, before the, even the Connacht final. And, you know, if there's a bit of a breeze at all, you nearly kind of favour a goal. I just think they have better long distance kickers. You know, you look at, like, if Comer plays Walsh, if, um, you know, Tierney, Cook, Conroy, all those boys could easily pop balls from 40, 50 yards with that breeze behind them. I'm not sure if Mayo have that kind of firepower even with the breeze, but conditions definitely do play a big part. Um, the fact that it's in Salt Hill, I don't think it'll bother either team, um, to be honest, but I think more so just the fact that it's not in McHale Park would, would be a plus for Mayo at this stage. You know, the performances there just haven't been great over the last number of years. Kelly O'Connor came through a, a club game as well, a full senior league game with Ballantubber last weekend. Uh, Keith as well, 2-6 uh, scored against Ballinrobe, his first competitive game in, in 10 weeks. He, of course, has had that hamstring injury. So, a good sign that he's back involved and I'm sure raring to go. Yeah, look, fairness to Killian, any time he's come back from injury, he's always been in, in decent shape. I suppose the one fear I'd have is, yeah, he played a club game for Ballantubber, but at the same time, he hasn't kind of played any kind of competitive game at this level probably since I think the, the Roscommon game he came on for a few minutes in so it'll just be that level of sharpness kind of if you start him I don't think he's got a full game in him but he's competed at that level if you bring him on you're bringing him on in the heat of a battle in the goal with Mayo game knockout championship will he be able to get up to the pace of that game as quickly as he needs to so look I think Killeen's track record speaks for itself but at the same time there is just going to be that bit of question marks, but there is a few cowboys there, whether he can get up to the pace the game quick enough. I think fitness-wise, he'll be fine for 20 minutes, but it's just a matter of whether he'll be able to get up to the, the sharpness required. So I suppose, but going back to, to Gary's point there, I think the big one for me is Sean Kelly. If he starts, well, we're probably favourites. If he doesn't, it's probably it's a big, um, it's a big advantage for Mayo, I think. As you mentioned there, look, he's probably looking at, if God progresses, he's probably looking at player of the year territory and fairness to which one. Yeah, he's uh, incredible in full flight when he's uh, when he's going forward as well. Apart from everything else, you mentioned on paper, Gary, the that Galway full forward line is incredible. Um, talk to us about Shane Walsh, will you? Because like obviously the All Ireland final last year was such a ridiculous benchmark that like in some ways you're destined to be hammered if you don't meet that mark every time you go out on the pitch afterwards. But uh, hard to turn that on every day, and he hasn't turned it on in a Galway shirt since. Yeah, I'm glad you used the word ridiculous for when it didn't go apart last year because it was absolutely ridiculous. I'm not so sure there's a lot of footballers out there that have had a dream to do that. Don't mind actually going to do it. So mm. he, he did something ridiculous. Um, there's a couple of things with Shane and one of them is the club campaign he went through. And for Shane, it was probably the longest season he's done. He's 29 now, going 30 soon. I don't think he's ever done a full season like that. Um, he had a break, obviously. He went away to Australia and whatever, but how much of an effect that had on him, I don't know. Um, he hasn't he hasn't shot the lights out at all and quite honestly he was very disappointed last weekend in, in, in Carrick um, things that he does in his sleep were very he was very off and even the striking of the ball there was no consistency to it um, the penalty the two or three he won off his left one off his right they just weren't they weren't consistent to anything he was doing and, and I, I hope this weekend he's capable of just switching that off and turning on the magic again at the weekend yeah. and I know Mayo will be very aware of that um, yeah. how much of a sting 
will will be in him. Uh, it will be interesting to see. I've no doubt that he's been talked out a lot this week, and they're going to explain to him that all will just be free. Just go and play, and if they can get that out of him for forty minutes, I think go will be fine. Um, he is that important, and I think when Shane plays, it takes two to mark him. It maybe take three. You might even have a system around him trying to slow him up and stop him up. He's that dangerous. And if that happens, then you've got Peter Cook, you've got Tierney, you've got Ian, you've got Damien, you've got Paul Connery. May all be aware of all this. And I think Shane is that pivotal to us. He's as important as, as Sean Kelly um, when he's in full flight. But we haven't seen that, as you mentioned. So yeah. as a Galway man, I hope to God Shane turns up for 40 minutes at the weekend at the Clare Stadium and, and does a horrific damage, <laughs> if he can at all. It's, uh, it's not even the Terrible Twins, it's the Terrible Trio, uh, turns out, when they're all on song. Um Talk to us, Keith, um, a little bit. I reading Lee Keegan's comments during the week talking about Mayo's inability to see out games, to play boring football, he was calling it, to, to kill the game, to not be too cute. There's no shot clock, uh, was how he had worded it. Um, what does that all come down to? Um, yeah, we actually had this conversation yesterday with Lee, and, you know, it, again, you, you can't really kind of put your finger exactly what it was. I think we were kind of saying, you know, you go back over the last probably 10 years with. Mayo probably since even James took over first, and it was it was just this kind of nearly all out attacking type of football that there was no there was no really kind of defensive systems. There was no real kind of attacking setups or plays or whatever you want to call it. It was just get the ball and everyone goes and you play at this high tempo game. And in a way, I think that's nearly kind of kept it through. It's nearly ingrained in lads at this stage now that it's you know as Lee said, we're not holding on to the ball for two three minutes, just winding down, just kind of making things boring for the opposition and all that. And you look at the way Ross Common have adapted this year and the way they're playing. And sometimes you just need to do that, especially if you're three, four points up with five or six minutes to go. You just need to kill the game. And probably the best teams out there are good at doing that. They get the balance right, whereas we're just probably not at that level just yet. And whether that comes down to coach, whether that comes down to kind of players just not kind of thinking it through, the naivety, I don't know what you want to call it, but sometimes you just have to be able to kind of, as Lee said, just win over at times and just kind of kill the game and, you know, there's what we're made of, what, six points up was a 10 minutes goal against Cork, and, you know, that's the type of that he's on, but that's where he should be just kind of killing the game and just winning the next 10 minutes by a point or losing by a point to win the game by five, whereas they just let Cork get that bit of craziness in the game, get that bit of momentum, and then it's kind of hard to kill. So, you know, I'm not sure it's something that kind of be done, fixed within a week, but it's definitely something they kind of need to bring in the game if they're going to be kind of pushing on towards All-Ireland Finals or, or winning All-Ireland Finals. Would you be worried that there wasn't enough communication in place for Aidan O'Shea? It seems to know that knock it over and we're through. Um, possibly, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure who's going to be. If people are on the line or listening to other games and see how things are going, I'm not sure whether they need to get that information to a quicker. Um, I suppose, again, like I suppose at the time, with everything that's going on, it's just pure helter skelter for the last few minutes. It's kind of hard to keep those kind of calm heads on the shoulders, but... Again, I wouldn't be overly concerned about that, to be quite honest with you. That's something that might only happen once every few years. I think it's the whole issue around conceding that six-point lead is kind of where my concerns would be at, really. Um, Gary, Keith made the point there, you used the phrase, making making it boring. How important is it for, for both these teams to make the fixture boring in some ways? Because you could look at it on paper, Mayo-Galway, two rivals that, let's be honest, hate each other, knockout championship football. Um, like, if you think about the occasion too much, I guess it's for for. Poor Joyce and Kevin McStay, really, isn't it? Whoever manages the occasion more and, and, and makes it boring in players' heads because you don't want to hype it up too much. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, last weekend was another example of one of Mayo's biggest uh, Achilles heel problems they have is that Kevin Walsh was in the court dressing room 
and uh, he put this template together that uh, was a complete and utter antidote to the chaos that Keith was talking about there. Um, I think it was maybe 2015 or 16 we went to McHale Park and we set up in such a way that we closed down the avenues of running and we made them keep the ball, didn't want to do it, they kicked it back to us and then when we got the ball back we kept it off them and they didn't like it and Cork did it for periods last, not as well as they should have last again but they did cause havoc for Mayo and I think Loud did it for a little while as well and Galway's system at the minute with a double sweeper and breaking out is exactly what Mayo don't want and I think that's going to be a big problem for Mayo at the weekend I'm not so sure where they're going to get 13, 14, 15 points if Galway do set up properly oh, I do think as well in that that uh, missing Kieran Malloy missing Liam Silk um, if Sean Kelly doesn't play then I'm not so sure how comfortable Goal will be in that system. But if they can get it together and, and slow that game down and, and make it boring, as you're talking about there, I think Mayo could have a serious problem in their hands. One man who could get those points, Keith, I guess, is Tommy Conroy. Like, 1-1 one, one the last day. Uh, I know he came off the bench the last couple of times for James Carr. Is the argument there for him to to, to start from the start? Or, or is there, I guess, a, an, an argument in Kevin McStay's head that you need to finish with a stronger stronger 15 in some ways? Yeah, that's been Kevin's kind of mantra all year, is kind of finishing with nearly as a stronger, stronger 15 than he has, I think. Um, the argument would probably be there to, to keep the full forward line the same with Aidan, James and Ryan I mean if Sean Kelly isn't fit I think it throws up a question mark of who God put on Aidan then who they match up with James I think if, if Tommy starts it's probably more of a, a natural matchup for like Jack Lynn to go on him so I think if you start with Aidan and James if Sean Kelly isn't fit it just throws up a few more question marks over the matchups in the goal of defence um, I think you go back to to Gary's point there though I mean you know we talk about Mayo struggling sometimes with a packed defence and all this but like the reality was there were six points up with ten minutes to go whatever it was the last day against Cork you know so they were doing okay it's just I suppose when Cork had to throw off the shackles and go at it a bit more that that bit of craziness came into it and Mayo just kind of weren't able to kill momentum that's the kind of bit I'd be concerned about I know if Goa pack the defence and do what they did previous years and get their two wing backs dropped into those channels, it will cause them problems and see where the scores come from. But at the same time, I think Mayo got a smaller better at it. They're just not kind of quite at that level just yet. But um, yeah, look, the argument is there to start Tommy Conroy again. A lot of it will come down, I think, to conditions as well. You know, like, it sounds very simplistic, but if Mayo had end up getting the breeze in the first half, they'd bring Tommy in the second half. Then against the breeze, will they get enough ball from? It's just hard to know. Um, there's so many ifs and buts to it, but. I, th- I think they'll probably just go with the same full forward line again, keep James Carr in there and look to bring Tommy off the bench like they have been doing and kind of start with a stronger team. Shane used the word hate there. Very strong word. Accurate. Oh, what was that, sorry? Shane, he used the word hate. Yeah, I think uh, that was actually brought up for me during the week as well and I think I mentioned it as well in a different uh, interview but it is it is a strong word. Hate probably isn't the right one but I think there's a, there is a big dislike in there. It's just a case of sometimes you... You just have to do whatever it takes to win those games, you know. Um, you can't kind of comprehend losing to the, your biggest rivals. And it's the same with me with Galway and Roscommon because we're so close to both both here on the border. But um, again, even the point you made there about taking kind of the emotion out of it, I think it probably be, would be a very cagey start. I mean, both teams would probably set up very similar. They'll get bodies back and it would be kind of cagey maybe for 40, 50 minutes. But if it's tight coming down that last 10 or 15 minutes, that's when the emotions will come into it. And that's when you want the boys with the calm head. So... Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, been an absolute belter. Gary, Keith, thanks a million. Thank you very much. Cheers, lads. Looking forward to it. I must say, you'll have your maroon and uh, white jersey out. I will, I will. Yeah, no, Jesus, I'm a, uh, I have an uncle most, there. And... The most patriotic Monaghan man you've ever met who also supports Armagh, Monaghan. I don't support Armagh. Uh, Galway. I've never supported Armagh. I was born in Armagh, but, but Galway, I'm 50% Galway.
Uh, you, have, you have another county in there somewhere as oh, well. I do not. I'm on the call with many Dublin. counties. Definitely not Dublin. County. Jesus, not a chance when I support Dublin. No offence. Uh, I mean, plenty of offence. But I, th- that word hate, I have an uncle in, in Dunmore in Galway, uh, North Galway, and hate is an understatement, Adrian, let me just say. I know, the lads are going to be diplomatic. Like, of course they're going to be diplomatic, but, it, but it's, it, goes, it goes two ways. Alan Quinlan standing by. Off the ball is going to be uh, coming to the Cork Podcast Festival. It's Sunday the 27th of August, so uh, get your tickets. It's at the Cork Opera House. What a venue to host OTB. Special guests are going to be announced very shortly. Don't miss out on a great night of conversation and crack in the heart of the Rebel County. For tickets, you can head along to the Cork uh, to corkpodcastfestival.ie forward slash off hyphen the hyphen ball. We'll put it up on our social channels. It'll be much easier to get than I've explained there. After the break, Alan Quinlan patiently waiting by. Before that, the last of our post-match uh, footage, reaction from the game at Tala last night. Kathleen in conversation with uh, one of the stories of the night last night, Larry Reardon. It was a set piece. Uh, Megan Connolly's deliveries are second to none, so they're absolutely brilliant. For me, I just um, I got my stance right, I got my distances right, and I had the the run up similar to, to Megan, so I made sure that I was going to be onside. Came to my head and directed towards goal, and thankfully went into the back of the net. Set pieces are something that are obviously very important for Ireland in terms of scoring. It's generally been the way that we get quite a lot of our goals. Is the setups that you we had tonight with Megan, I think, took all of the set pieces. Is that something that you're practicing a lot in training? Yeah, so obviously, you know, set pieces are in every game, so we have our, our tactics and our plans for that. And we came out tonight and we implemented them. And thankfully, we were successful in a few set pieces, I think. So, yeah, so obviously, it's a strength of ours, and we look to continue to capitalize on that and to have it in our back pocket. Um, so, yeah, we, it, we were successful in doing that, and thankfully, we were able to come away with the win. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. It's 23 minutes past nine. The uh, star-studded OTB AM Friday continues. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you. Morning, lads. How are you? Are you coloured? Are you, where have you been out? Just the Irish sun or have you been out? Irish Enjoying sun, yourself, get out of it, no chance. How's life? Very good. You didn't no, see yeah. your butt earlier on. I he did, was very, yeah, yeah. You, you used the word pragmatic in the ad break there, which was spot on. About the defeat last weekend, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I've obviously been. I've spoke to him afterwards and um, on Sunday, and uh, that sport it's disappointing. They're they're the hard hard yards for players. Like it's within and coaches. your grasp. You're yeah, watching the game, yeah. and you're mm-hmm. like, Jesus, they're going to do it. It's you. You've got your hand on it, and then suddenly it's. And I th- but I, yeah, I think obviously winning the Champions Cup and and winning it last year as well. You know, you're. Very small margins there, and there's going to be disappointments in sport. And um, so you've, he's got he's got a big trophy, and La Rochelle have. Yeah. They were very close. So I think being pragmatic about it is it's been a brilliant season from. Obviously, it could have been topped off. You know, they've never won the the top fourteen. Toulouse, I think, have won it twenty three times now, or something like that, right, in their yeah. history. Um, and uh, the last I saw was Anton Dupont down at the uh, beach using the bouclier. The actual trophy to surf into the into the water as you should do. They're, they're, I would like yeah. to, fair play. This thing is obviously just expected that you just horse it around and do it gets, what you want. Yeah, to yeah, it gets thrown around a little bit, but um, they're an incredible club, though, aren't they? To lose, you know. We hear the fair bit in sport, don't we? The teams know how to win, and yeah. you know they've come a long way. It's more a belief. It's more a belief thing, you know what I mean? With with, with and that's always the intrigue in sport. That yeah. Even when your back is against the wall, you're getting you know probably physically out muscle a little bit they haven't had many opportunities in the game 
and you know, Intermac does what he what he did the other night. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Does everything he does. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> his performance in the game was quite poor. Yeah, he was really poor. And, 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 and that shouldn't and be very indecisive. That shouldn't be forgotten. Like he he oh, pulled off a, a great move at the end there. But let's not forget about everything else. Ah, that it matters if you're playing France in a World Cup game and he's a ten and they've like yeah. But the, honestly, the, the the he he fumbled the ball very late in the game. Very straightforward take, and then he does he. History books mo- won't remember most that. Halves, how many times have you seen a kick to the corner, right? In the clutch moments of a game where you're going, geez, maybe the out half could have taken another yard or two. But they're not taking another yard or two yeah. because they know they can't test that line. Mm. That's headless stuff for a player that. Yeah. Uh, J- Johnny Sexton has missed him before. Borden Barrett has missed him. Can't you know, think of too many have... at that moment in a. That, I, look, no, I, I look. I think it's very important. You, Burns, you've, got to, you've got to be. You've got to be. You've got to be spot on there. But look, just his overall game, and it's been. You know, his his form has been up and down a little bit in the last year. And does does certain people in France would be saying Jamine should start? Uh, probably deserves to start um, instead of him. But yeah. and when you play Toulouse or France, it's always about Dupont into Mac. How do you stop them? Uh, more so uh, Dupont, to be fair. But Intermac has to always to be watched. You can never switch off. So the quality is there. And look, I wouldn't be kind of looking for any sort of vulnerabilities in France and saying, well, Intermac hasn't had a brilliant season. As long season. as he does it again during the World Cup when they're playing us, that'd be, that'd be very important. Then we'd, yeah. be, we'd be happy. Come here, the draw is wild, like hard to fathom in, on every the draw. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the structure has changed for for the Champions Cup next year again. Um, they're gone back to you know the pools last year and the last couple of seasons were twelve teams and it was quite confusing. Yeah. There's a little bit l- less confusion there, oh. um, a bit of change again, um, and obviously the the draw was made on Wednesday, so it's four four. Um, Four groups of six, which is you're making up your 24, and um, four of those teams out of that six will qualify for the round 16. I have a problem with that a little bit in the sense that... Well, look, if there's six teams in your group and you know four of you are going to get out of it... Have you to win more than one game in that context? Well, if you look at last year's knockout stages, both Montpellier and Ulster got through to the round 16 winning one game yeah. out of four matches which for me ah. yeah, only two teams did that the year before there was more teams did it there was a, I think it could have been three that got through winning one game um, but look I think what we did see last year in the Champions Cup was incredible um, the knockout stages were unbelievable yeah. a lot of the pool games were, were very good but there was certain games Everybody remembers Gloucester coming to Dublin. Yeah. It was um, the towel was kind of thrown in oh. the way, and I hate that for any team well, doing was, that. It was get over after about twenty. Ba- 20 back minutes. when I played, and um, you know when the competition was very intense, and it was six pools of four. Yeah. Um, you know, you had at times it was you know some of the French teams just couldn't do it on both fronts, and you'd have an odd game here and there where they would put out a second string team after round three maybe when they've lost the first two they're kind of really throwing the towel in I think there's just opportunities here for teams to go second string a a bit look player welfare and all that it's hard to kind of do it but if you're making taking 20 players out of a squad and putting in a new 20 and and sending them to to play a game it just frustrates me a little bit but 
I think the it's also a little bit confusing that you have a team in your group that you don't play against from the same league. So, yeah. for example, you know, for Munster, it's Glasgow who are in their group and they don't play Glasgow. Yeah. They play the other four teams. Leinster and Stormers. Yeah, they don't play the like. Stormers because they're, they're in the same league. I get the logic of it and I understand it. It took me a little bit of time to, 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 uh, to understand that. But, um, you know, the four highest ranked clubs in each pool will qualify for the knockout. So... It's a bit. It's a bit daft. The the under twenties. Uh, it's sort of come out of nowhere, but the uh, World Championship starts tomorrow. South Africa. Uh, they're playing against England. Um, we've watched this team during the Six Nations, and they're off the charts good. There's a lot of really recognisable names in the team as well, including Evan O'Connell, nephew of the great one, uh, who didn't start. I certainly didn't start most of the games if I remember rightly during the yeah he was on the bench um, for 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 a fair bit of that coming off or coming off the the bench for for a lot of the games in the Six Nations um, has the group we haven't seen an under twenties championship for a couple of years because of COVID yeah. um, it's a great opportunity for this team to to see if they can kind of um, have they physically got better stronger have they improved technically. Um, Richie Murphy's done a great job, you know, back to back Grand Slams. Have they shot um, at winning it? You just don't know. It's hard to analyse, you know, what Australia will bring, what New Zealand will bring, what Argentina will possibly could bring. Um England <coughs> um you know, have an ability, they have a very big physical side. You you just don't know um South Africa themselves. So that's the real measure. You know, Ireland play England first up, which is a very tough game tomorrow. And then they play Australia on Thursday and then Fiji a couple of days later. So you're just you it's it's a little bit of the unknown. Obviously all Ireland can control is themselves here in the sense that they have a very good platform to build on. And I think listening to a lot of the players in the last couple of days and seeing some of the press stuff they're all talking about improvement and you know building on what they did in the in in the the Six Nations, but you know it's a very very dangerous game for anybody thinking that the twenties will just turn up tomorrow and it'll be you know a foregone conclusion that they'll beat England. I think they that what they did very well against England in the game in Cork uh, to win the Grand Slam was defensively they stopped a big powerful side from getting over the gain line. There's a couple of times England kind of, you know, got some brilliant tries in that game. Uh, but one thing about this side is they're tenacious, they're they're aggressive, um, and they're confident in what they do. And you know, when you've someone like Sam Prendergast at ten, who's you know pretty gifted, um, I think the power that they have up front is is uh, is very impressive. I think they've a very structured. Um, their set piece is very good, but they play a lot as well. So they have a great variety to their game. And I saw that, you know, I did a good good few of the, the 20s games and obviously watched them all during the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. The first game, when I think back over in, in Wales, they kind of struggled a little bit at times and it looked like Wales were going to, you know, cut them apart at times. Um, and each time they went up the field, they were ruthless in, in getting a mall try or, uh, you know, getting their forwards dominance. Yeah. And then they kicked on the second half and they won that game convincingly. So there's some really good players in this side who I think are going to go on and play with their provinces and have a real impact in, in professional rugby. When you look at the the team, Quinny, like aside from maybe Ruan Quinn, who played 
a couple of games in the URC I think for Munster and Prendergast obviously you've got a couple of line outs for Leinster there's not much there's not many players there with senior experience but as Richie Murphy made the point they have a lot of experience of playing together and they have yeah, Conor Tiernick has been involved with Leinster as well and um I think Andrew Osborne, Jamie yeah. Osborne's brother, um, he's a very good player as well. There might be one or two more. Henry McAleen might have been as well with Leinster. Um, I think there's eight of that group who are in the, in, gone into the Leinster Academy yeah. this year. Um, it's They're very powerful players. Brian Gleeson is, is kind of this big physical specimen, number eight. Played really well for... Um, big impact throughout the championship in the, in the Grand Slam. He picked up a knock probably hampered his training coming into this week so he's on the bench Evan O'Connell goes into the second row and um, and Dermot Mangan goes into the back row he's a very versatile powerful player as well and I always I, I like what got me during the Six Nations was that those five the two second rows and the back rows how dynamic they were how athletic they were and how comfortable they were on the ball um, I know obviously being a back row myself I would always thought you know, if you get your back row making 10, 15 carries each in a game, it gives you a lot of involvements, yeah. you know. And these guys, I think, have a lot of involvements in the game. Gleeson on the bench, you know, he's such a powerful, aggressive ball carrier, scored tries throughout the championship as well. Um, so I think that's probably going to be the key in this championship uh, for, for them. Um, the front row, Gus McCarthy, the hooker, the captain, uh, unbelievably dynamic and powerful as well. Great ball carrier. We're very well stacked. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good players, but you don't. The one area I'd probably be, I, you just don't know. As I said, it's a little bit of the unknown. What yeah. New Zealand, South Africa, Australia they look, they bring. Look very but the pressure, I think looking at this team, they're in a really good position to have a really good championship. Hopefully, it starts well against England tomorrow. Um, we want you wanted to touch on the Wales pre-season training camp the rigorousness of it the madness of it the wildness of it and your own experiences of um, being in that environment and uh, been pushed to the pin of your collar the, the uh, pre-season stuff it's always the toughest time most most rugby players um, I don't know about other sports but certainly the rugby pre-season was always um, always really difficult it was that kind because of because you let yourself <laughs> loose, or because it was uh, no. Well, you've three or four weeks weeks off on your holidays, and then you're kind of trying to kind of enjoy your holidays. And um, that last weekend of we're back loose. on Monday, <laughs> you know, no, the last weekend I think is it's kind of like going back to school. That feeling of oh, Jesus, we've got to face this yeah. on Monday, and you possibly have fitness testing to start on Monday morning like and it's a kind of dreaded weekend that bit of anxiety that your yeah. reality the holidays are over um, but it's tough and I watched obviously the, the Wales release footage of them going to an army camp somewhere in Wales or it, it could have been in the UK somewhere at the the last week where they were diving in and out of lakes and water and carrying logs up hills and all that kind of stuff that army stuff pulling themselves up ropes um, and I, I, I saw Warren Gatlin in the videos obviously talking about that and it kind of brought back memories of going to Poland oh, yeah. in, 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 two, in 2000 um, it was the cryotherapy yeah it was cry for cryotherapy it was, it was in was it Spala is yeah, where we were yeah. yeah and um, it's a couple of hours outside of uh, of Warsaw out in the countryside in the middle of the woods um, I think it was a mental and physical challenge. Oh, yeah. We went for three weeks the first time we went there, and um, 
you know, we did an incredibly hard week where you're doing about five, six sessions a day. So your normal day would be um, up in the morning, you're monitored, weighed, urine sample, um, body fat test, in for breakfast, um, go and do maybe, you know, a weight session, then a, a cardio session, and then maybe a speed session. You've kind of three sessions before lunch. They're short enough um, that, then you do the cryotherapy and you've probably 20, 30 minutes on a bike. It's fairly intense anyway. You have lunch and then you're out for the afternoon where you're doing a weights hit again, probably a fitness hit um, and and maybe a run in the woods to finish your day and then cryotherapy again. So very intense, uh, shock the system. Um, so your day is starting at seven in the morning. You're kind of finishing, maybe sitting down for your dinner at half six, quarter to seven, absolutely shattered. Did that for... You know, the week we broke for the first weekend and went to Krakow on the f- uh, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. Um, had me- a meal there. Krakow was a lovely city and had a walk around there and a few drinks. Back in the bus Sunday morning, back to Spala. Again, you're driving in the dreaded long drive in the gate. And um, then we had another incredibly intense week. Um, players were starting to. Wayne mentally bit, yeah. wane a little bit because it was hard going you're doing a lot of sessions and it's kind of that dreaded run in the evening then at six or quarter by six up the woods up around the hills for a half an hour um, and then like the last the second weekend we went to um, Auschwitz uh, we weren't mentally damaged enough and this is no disrespect to to um, to anyone who's it's ever been affected by like, by just, that or uh, a, a team environment take. going to some place like I've been yeah there look it was really uh, intriguing uh, to go to Auschwitz and away, see yeah. and like it was it was it was phenomenal to to get understand the history of the whole place and be there and so, saw the way people were treated there it was horrific um, but I think um, I think we stayed a night there and we had a few drinks again very limited nobody wanted to have drinks and Getty was always a big believer of you know if you have a hard week have a few yeah. beers and but everyone was burnt burnt out yeah. um, we went back on the Sunday and that was the one going back in that Sunday was like God we're facing this for a third week yeah. here um, the idea of the breaks of Krakow and Auschwitz and go somewhere different was just get away on a Saturday night or do yeah see something different the third week again it was supposed to be a full on week for the whole week um, and we did crazy stuff there and uh, it kind of by Wednesday I think the sessions went uh, maybe one or two sessions in the day and by Friday it was a half day and Saturday was off and then we we stayed but it brought back memories of that of, of kind of you know, Sounds that type like of mental, physical torture of three weeks. I'm still doing the same sessions at the minute. It's the hardest time of the year for, for man. And in fairness, all the thing, like Ireland could end up doing some stuff like that. Um, and it pushes you to the limit. And, yeah. and uh, that's where you're going to get the money in the bank, really, you know, for, for the season ahead. All right. You're going to be back on Monday. We'll be looking back in that other 20 game, I'm sure, and plenty more besides. Thanks a million Cheers, for coming thanks. in. Thanks Funny. a lot. Shane, fair play to you. Cheers, Enjoy Adam. the games over the weekend. Indeed, indeed. Enjoy them. Oh, I will. I will. You going? Result dependent. I'm not going to have. I'm going to a friends engagement party on Sunday. Oh, wow. So I'm going to watch wow, it at home. Wow, wow, it at home. wow, wow, wow. I Full wish we support. got to this a little bit earlier. 
Uh, the most patriotic Monaghan man in the country, by the way. The miners, the miners playing and, Kerry uh, as well. He ain't even going to the game. Well, there you have it. 20 to 10. Uh, you've been watching OTBAM. Thanks for your company over the last few hours. Really enjoyed the show this morning, as always. Thanks to the production team. Monday show, Jaron Shane are going to be live at the Gillette Labs performance rankings. Uh, Quinny will be back. Sarah Donovan will talk hurling. Anthony Moyles in the football. And plenty more as well. Have a fab Friday. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.